This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome along. It's Wednesday. It's the 29th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I love the idea that all these people are sitting outside the hospital waiting for the birth, and she's driving around London in a Range Rover. She's not anywhere near the hospital. I wonder if they sort of look up at the window and go, I, I think I just saw her, the curtain twitched. No, 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 she's at Kensington Palace down the road. Be easy to go and sit down there. Band whistling, you'll have to stop girls ogling Poldark. It's amazing, you know, this is after this uh, extremely fragile little girl Poppy Smart the other day, although some of the papers call her not so bright, uh, out there complained about the whistling. And somebody said, what earth's happened to women today? They're generally quite feisty. Exactly. Gordon's the only way Essex has spent most of their time in tears. And uh, 20 vile things about a vile man. Who will that be about? Russell. As he puts his hand up again. I don't know why anybody gives him house room. Why would anybody want to give Russell Brand house room? When you look at the transcript of that disgusting phone call that he and Jonathan Ross made, you know, you, you can only hang your head in shame and say this man shouldn't be put anywhere at all. Absolutely dreadful. And the McCanns have got 433,000 quid. Libel damages awarded. Whether they get it is another matter. Because I shouldn't imagine that Portuguese police officers earn a great deal of money. In fact, I would think Portuguese police officers earn diddly squat, compared to probably what they get over here. So they've got this £433,000, approximately. And I think, to my, and they have said it's going to go into the fight for Madeleine. I thought, does that mean you're going to give it to us? Because they keep saying it's not about the money. I'd hate to think they were going to keep it. I would really hate to think they were going to keep it. I would like to think that as they're so concerned about finding Maddie, and so far it's cost us 10 million quid... I would like to think that they'd be saying, listen, you know, we don't have £10 million, but here's, here's nearly half a million pounds. Wouldn't you like to think that'd be what they'd do with it? I do hope so. Got a horrible feeling it might not be that way. Baltimore Burns. Isn't it funny? This is over a race riot. And, of course, what was, what was the film Hairspray about? Baltimore. Good morning, Baltimore. As she goes down there. And it was about race. It was about race. And that film was set years and years ago. Now, of course, for some inexplicable reason. You know, we have a race riot, and that involves looting. Where looting came into it, I've got no idea. But apparently, I love the picture. There's one boy out there, and he's got uh, a balaclava on and a hoodie, kind of hiding his face. But his mother recognised him, and she dragged him away. Get the back home, she said. Get back home. So off he went. His mummy, his mummy pulled him apart, as indeed she should. As indeed she should, because I don't see how looting's got anything to do with this. That, that, is, just, that is just blatant thieving, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so the eight executed, and the papers were full of pictures of the execution squad. Twelve of them, I think. I think they only fire three bullets. I think that's how it works. I think there are sort of places you, you aim for. I'm not too familiar, as you can imagine, with executions. The, the one person who didn't get executed was a woman. So they take nine coffins over there. Uh, a boat then turns up yesterday with the execution squad on there and uh, and they execute people. Some of them have been on death row for 10 years. It's like a, a death sentence in itself being on death row. Uh, and some of them, they reckon the British grandmother could be next. They don't waste any time, do they? You're caught. She had £1.6 million worth of drugs. That's a lot of drugs, isn't it, in a suitcase? And the reason she had it was because she said uh, people had threatened her family. Now, whether you believe her, I've got no idea. I couldn't care less. Either way, I always think if you're caught with drugs, you know, you've gone a bit down the wrong road. You've taken the wrong turning. And uh, in other countries, 
might be different. You might just sort of be put in prison and they leave you to rot. In Indonesia, the uh, the warning goes out. Obviously not a very strong warning, is it? Because I don't know how many other people there are in prison who are also accused of drug smuggling. But it carries the death penalty. Then They don't waste any time. It's, it's the death penalty. It's like uh, in Australia, when you watch the Australian programme on the telly. I think it's called Border Patrol or something like that. And uh, somebody will arrive in and they start questioning them. I'm assuming roughly the same here. Uh, one of the potential candidates for this election has said they're going to bring in a thousand more Border Patrol staff in this country to try and keep out people who shouldn't be here. They're going to have more stringent checks. But of course, as I've said to you yesterday, the day before and all last week, you've got to try and work out whether or not you think it's feasible, whether or not you think, well, why haven't you done this before now? And secondly, who's paying for it? Where's the money coming from? But in Australia, they had a couple over there and they they looked at them and he, he was saying, listen, I've told people I'm coming to Australia because it's, you know, I'm just going on holiday. And she said, but I don't think you are. You don't know anything about it. You know, you don't even know, you don't appear to have any clothing with you or stuff like that. So they assumed they were coming to work. In Australia, they literally turned them round same day. They go, well, you're being flown back home. And so flown back home, they were. You know, he's going, he's still protesting his innocence and saying, listen, I've got to hold my head up and I'm going to lose face. And she said, well, sorry about that, but this is the way it is. It doesn't look likely that you're actually coming here for a holiday. It looks likely you're coming to find work. Over here, you'd arrive at Heathrow Airport. I think within a matter of hours, you'd have your own council house, probably a car and free bus passes and money in your pocket. More money than you could ever imagine. That's the difference. I'm not sure where I want to live. I'm not sure. They don't seem to give them the opportunity, do they? I've not heard anybody say in Australia, I can't go home because I'll be tortured. Like the man we couldn't send home the other day, the Libyan. We can't send him home because he's an alcoholic. Whether or not we've made him an alcoholic, I don't know. But we can't send him back home because he's an alcoholic and he might get whipped. Seems a suitable punishment, as far as I'm concerned. I don't have a problem with that. That seems OK. You know, if if you get, you know, that's that's the the price you pay. It's like you know, in certain parts of the world, if you caught shoplifting, they chop your hands off. I mean, on that basis, most of Liverpool will be going round, you know, claiming disability grants. The other story in the paper today is the uh, the victims calling for a review of the DPP's Jana decision. It's not going away, is it? Not going away. A friend of mine who has, um, or who had some years ago, dealings with Greville Jana has had two newspapers. Already phone him up to ask questions about Greville Janna. It's very interesting. They're not going to let it go away, the papers. And it's, it's sometimes the most unusual paper. Most unusual paper you think of. You think, why would they be phoning this up? But, uh, but they have. Uh, the TV show's indulgent dad who didn't pay for the kids, says an ex. Uh, this is some bloke. I'd never heard of him before. And I'll, I'll have to run through his name again a bit later. Because you might better help me out on it. He looks like one of these attention seekers. You know, I'm a television presenter. And you go, on what channel, dear? What do you do? What do you do? And the £20 camera on your dashboard that could cut your insurance. I love dashboard cams. This actually stops people smashing into you. And then going, oh, no, you actually went into the back of my car. Because it catches it all. On, and they're so tiny, and they, they're, they're diddly squat cheap. They really are, absolutely. And farewell to the TV Puppet King. I wish I could fly right up to the sky, but I can't. You can. <laughs> yes, Keith Harris and Orville. I wonder what will happen to Orville. He married four times. He um, he was sort of king of Orville. Ma- Orville. Well, every time Keith Harris got married, the wife married Orville as well. I mean, there were three in their relationships, including the children. 
I'd like to, because he had Orville, then he had Cuddles, didn't he? Cuddles the monkey. Yeah, Cuddles. And Keith Harris was, was primetime telly on a Saturday night. And then it all went a bit pear-shaped. I think he had a slight problem with drink driving. And then he got cancer, then it cleared up, and then he got it back again. And uh, I think it was stomach cancer, and his agent posted a thing. I'm delighted to say that the papers have said, you know, he was Mr Clean. You wouldn't find any any swearing in a in a sort of a show like that. Anything Keith Harrison Orville. And he had a record out, which Bobby Crush wrote. And, uh, and that got him into the charts. And he was, he was sort of, he was king of the vents. There's quite a few of them out there. You know, the old school vents. People who are, you know, they don't need to be rude. They don't need to be offensive. Although I did like that there was... <laughs> I think it was Terry King. Was it Terry King? I'm sure. Who had a vent... And you'll find uh, Terry Rogers, sorry, Terry Rogers, you'll find on YouTube. I can't repeat any of the act. It was so rude. Terry Rogers was a very smart, sophisticated woman. Used to come on stage, hair piled on, and uh, used to have this doll. And uh, she'd say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And the doll would then let fly with a string of expletives, the like of which you've never heard before. And she would look at it. That's not very nice indeed, is it? It's not a nice thing to say. And the doll would go, well, don't you go. And, and <laughs> it, was, it was just horrendous. But very funny. It was very, very adult. Very adult humour. But nothing the matter with adult humour. Uh, British money and aid is pouring into Nepal. Some parts haven't even seen anybody yet. They would love to get some people over there. They would love to get some money in. They would like to see some tents. You look at the buildings that have just collapsed with these earthquakes. You don't know what's going on under the, ra- under the ground, do you? I mean, any, any minute now, I could be sitting here. There could be a giant whoosh. And I could disappear into the studio underneath us. I could. Seriously. I mean, I'm hoping I won't. Hoping the floor is reinforced. I'm not that heavy today. Uh, yesterday, went to see a movie. And, uh, and very good it is, too. My God, it's violent. <laughs> I haven't seen a violent film for some time. Uh, but th- this one's interesting, in so much as somebody... It's the new Spooks. You remember the television series, which everybody loved? They had no hesitation in the television series of bumping off main characters. They really didn't. Set within MI5, and this is set exactly the same. I went to a screening room yesterday for the company that that made it. Most unusual screening room I've ever been in. Normally, you go in, then they're like like this studio here. You know what this looks like, because I tweeted a picture the other day. Only they've got really comfy armchairs and everything else. And it's a a purpose-built cinema, albeit a tiny cinema. And they're in hotels, they're in Hospital Club in Endell Street. I've been to... There's so many of them. But this was the first time yesterday I'd actually been to the film company. And, and we watched it in the boardroom. There's a, a screen came down and they gave us the remote control. There was only two of us there, me and a bloke from ITN. And we were sort of chatting. We went, you on LBC? You know, as people do when you sort of you, you say a couple of words. And they go, I recognise your voice. And so we had a long chat. And we have mutual friends because he's at ITN. And he knows uh, Podrick. Because we were talking. He said he's... I said, well, he used to produce me. I said he used to produce a number of people on LBC, but me he produced. And how he's uh, he sort of moved on to the dizzy heights of television. And uh, he said, he said the thing that amazes me about Podrick is that he's made more friends, he said, in two weeks than I've made in three years. I said, he's, he's very personable. He's very, very personable. So we had a good chat and we watched the film. We were doing... You know, we were sort of watching, we were sort of trying to predict. It's got so many twists and turns, this film. So many twists and turns. So we'll be talking about that for a future in conversation. We'll do that recording tomorrow. Today, we've got Martin Shaw coming in. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. 
Looking forward to that immensely, so he's going to be in this morning. Uh, in the papers today, it's uh, the uh, it's a, it's, it's a two-way debate. It's either they're going to run with the election, sorry, three-way debate, or they're going to run with whistling after Poppy Smart, a fragile little child of the uh, first quality order, you know, goes rushing. I mean, you can't believe it, can you? Most of the people seem to be saying, you know, why on earth did she go rushing to the police? You know what, she'll be selling a story next and appearing on sort of, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's how it'll work. You know, because she's obviously... I mean, she's far too fragile to be allowed anywhere near anybody at all. Surprised she makes it through the day. So it's either that one, or the other one is this protein powder, which is being advertised. And loads of people complaining about the adverts, saying it's sexist. I think 50,000 people have complained about it. It's, uh, it's put together by some bloke I've never even heard of. But what the papers have come down and said is, listen, you don't know what's in this powder. You really don't know what's in this powder. Might be good for you, might be bad for you. That's the trouble. At the end of the day, it's somebody trying to make money, and they're so unconfident, they've got to take it to the lowest common denominator. And the lowest common denominator is to pick a few old uh, tarts from The Only Way is Essex. So you've got Sam for here, it's Louisa Zisman, and I think Mario Falcona. You couldn't be more low rent if you tried. Quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's coming up 20 minutes past four. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Former International Development Secretary and Chief Whip Andrew Mitchell joins Nick on the battle bus in Birmingham. And as Nigel Farage departs for the EU to debate what to do about African migrants flailing on Mediterranean shores, would you be comfortable with the EU deciding where asylum seekers will be allowed to live? Strange enough, they don't want to go to France. They all want to come here. France, you've got loads of room. I would have thought people want to go there, but apparently not. Plus, uh, Benefit Street star White D joins Nick on Ferrari Force One too. Can't believe I'm reading that one. Nick will be broadcasting live from Corporation Street in Birmingham. So why not head down and see the team in action? Details on our website, lbc.co.uk. Nick and the team, just after the morning news with Lisa Aziz on LBC. Strange. How the uh, McCanns, says Lee, can afford justice and big cash payouts. Well, they didn't. I mean, that, that was a libel case. Somebody wrote something that went into print, and uh, they read it, and they went, it's not true. So they took him to court. It's, it's an, an out-and-out libel case. If, if somebody writes something about you that is untrue, then you take him to court. That's why internet trolls are being dragged into court, because they think that they can say anything they like. But, of course, you can't. You can't say it. But uh, Lee also says, which is interesting, you know, they've got all this money, they're two doctors, yet they couldn't afford a babysitter. I know, I mean, with, with hindsight, you can look back, can't you? You can look back and say, you know, why leave children? Three. You know, where did she go? Nobody knows. Nobody's got the faintest idea. It must be, you know, the biggest mystery of all time. Child in bedroom, asleep, vanishes. Vanishes. No fingerprints, no nothing. Nothing. No, no CCTV, no nothing. They must have thought it was obviously quite safe over there, and yet quite clearly it's not. And you ask yourself the question time and time again, would anybody else do that? No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. But they did it, and so far it's cost us ten million. Will we ever find Madeleine McCann again? I shouldn't think so. You have to cling on to the hope you might, but I think it's highly unlikely, not after this amount of time. And if we do, she's certainly going to be speaking another language. They've taken everybody over there. They've had sniffer dogs. They've had, you know, highly trained people going over there looking for clues in the storm dress, in everything. Admittedly, this is so many years after it. I should imagine anything would have been washed away. Nothing in the room. Nothing in the room at all. And then you think, if it was somebody who was taking a child because they wanted a child, why not take twins? Why not take all three? I mean, I always think that the most obvious thing is that Madeleine McCann woke up 
as you do. I've done it myself. You know, when you're a child, you remember waking up and it's all dark <clears throat> and you can hear you can hear people talking, as she would have done in the corridors for these rooms. And perhaps she sort of wandered out. Perhaps she got lost. You don't know. You just don't know. She might have wandered out to a road. Somebody could have picked her up in a car. You've got no idea. No idea. They don't know. I don't know. It's only speculation. And uh, at the moment, it's cost us the best part of £10 million. And we keep going. And as I have said time and time again, I always spare a thought for the other thousands of children who have also gone disappearing, never to be seen of again. You've got no idea where they go to. They just vanish. They don't get any any coverage at all, do they? Which is always a shame. Uh, 20 vile things about a vile man. This is Russell Brand, you know, but I think whenever you've done heroin, I think you really just you don't even bother with people anymore. Uh, this one here, he's been arrested, charged with criminal damage. And um, I think the day after 9-11, he turned up for work at MTV dressed as Osama bin Laden, sacked two days later. Uh, dismissed from another radio station after he read pornographic material on air on a Sunday afternoon show. 2008 was when they left this vile message on Andrew Sachs's answer phone. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I hope that uh, Jonathan Ross's kids get uh, targeted exactly the same when somebody phones him up and goes, by the way, you know your daughter? Because <laughs> that's exactly what they did. If you, if you read the transcript and the paper have omitted all of the obscenities, you'd be absolutely horrified. Horrified. And uh, during a performance in 2008 in a theatre in Northampton, Russell Brand wasted police time with a hoax call. Uh, He said he'd spotted a man responsible for a series of assaults. Fox TV axed his late-night talk show, because it was just just rubbish, I'm afraid. Um, On Lady Thatcher, he wrote in The Guardian, her death must be sad for the handful of people she was nice to and the rich people who got richer under her stewardship. It isn't sad for anybody else. This is a man who lives in a £2 million flat whose owners are based in a tax haven, ladies and gentlemen, but says of paying taxes, take away corporate power, don't cooperate, organise, don't pay your mortgages, don't pay your taxes. There you go. That's, uh, that's Russell Brand. On all these years as a heroin addict, he said, it doesn't make a difference to me, the money, the fame, the power, the sex, the women, none of it. I'd rather be a drug addict. He's also named Britain's corrupt society for the radicalisation of the Islamic State fantasist Jihadi John, Claiming that Mohammed Mwazi must have felt loneliness and alienation. I mean, he's, it's the ramblings of a deluded idiot, I'm afraid. I don't know why anybody even bothers, even bothers with him. The man is so deluded. But perhaps because he, the answer is probably both of them, I would think. Both of them. Uh, the heroin smugglers died by the firing squad on the Jungle Island. So they've got a picture of the boat going out there with the firing squad on it. I think it was 12 people. I think it was 12 people. And they executed them yesterday. Because they have the death penalty. They're not interested in high-flying smart lawyers saying, you know, you should really be, you know, looking after these people and releasing them. And you think, no, not really. Not really. They, you know, if you go to a country where there is the death penalty for drug smuggling, whether you turn up with... And I think it has to be over a certain amount. The, uh, the grandmother, who's over there at the moment... Um, she had £1.6 million worth of drugs. That's quite a lot of drugs. That's quite. I just think how much damage that could do out on the streets. That's what I think. And so if you go through a country where they have the death penalty, then as far as I'm concerned, you, you know the risk. You take, you take that risk, and if you get caught, tough. I'm sure there are loads of other people that probably managed to get through without being stopped. It's whether or not the... Uh, 
the uh, the staff there can spot things like this, and they're generally quite good at it. Woman travelling alone, certain age, suitcases, let's have a look. They do it here. They sit there watching banks of screens at Heathrow and Gatwick and Luton, all these other places, and they're looking at people coming in. They're looking at where you behave. I used to worry. When I used to fly into Heathrow Airport, I used to think, I know they're looking at me. I know they're trying not to sweat. But because I used to get very hot before I was diagnosed as diabetic, I used to sweat quite badly. I used to get really hot. And so, of course, I looked guilty to start with. I looked guilty to start with. But luckily, obviously, something else must have shone through my countenance, must have shone through, and they must have thought, there's a good Christian boy there. He's not going to be bringing anything in. They were talking the other day about people who who uh, have been in trouble before, and they say, you know, some people... You know, uh, was somebody else talking earlier on LBC, I think he was talking to Darren and saying about, you know, you you are what you want to make yourself. You are what your parents wanted to make you. We all know the difference between right and wrong. It's it's whether or not you pursue that that course, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. You know, if you're a nice person, then you get rewarded. If you're a horrid person, then you get kind of payback. I kind of get it. I get sort of a mixture. Really a mixture. Somebody wrote to me the other day saying, leave off Greville Janna. You must be kidding, of course. <laughs> you must be kidding. We don't have any truck with people like that. And, uh, you know, internet trolls who target people. There's an internet troll in the paper today. This is somebody who, who targeted um, a family who, who've lost somebody in Nepal. He's an Arsenal fan. And he, uh, he targeted them. And I said before, if you get targeted by anybody, I don't care who it is and it's on the internet, you go to the police. The police can find them straight away. They phone them up, and they, uh, they, they sort them out. They sort them out. They threaten them with court. I had one only a little while ago, and I thought, no, I think, I think we have to get you involved with the police. And so the police uh, went round, interviewed this person. It turned out to be... Uh, let's just call them sad, shall we, for the purposes of this programme. <laughs> I had other names for them. And, and the police then came back and said, well, you know... We, we have a case because it's we've got all the evidence here. Do you want to pursue? And I thought about it. I said, no, give him a warning. Give him a warning. Contacts anybody ever again. We'll have you. OK, and we will destroy your life. It's as simple as that. You have to you don't you don't give in to these people. You have to sort them out very, very quickly. Uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Um, oh, yes. If you want to get that job interview and if you want to win the job, get a manicure. Apparently manicures are the uh, are the best things. People like manicures, which is good. Sarah Vine says, same as I do, if Michelle Keegan is the world's sexiest, you are having a laugh. Of course she's not the world's sexiest. That's just ridiculous. Nobody cares. It's just a bunch of people sitting in an office going, do you like Michelle Keegan and jumping on a bandwagon so she'll do a free photo shoot for them? It's just, that's the way it works. You know, because you look at, well, around the world, she is the best looking you know, ranking higher than Kate Upton or Scarlett Johansson. You know, seriously successful models and actresses. Michelle Keegan, very, very average actress. And certainly not even up for modelling, unless it's that sort of stuff where you show yourself off in your underwear. That's as good as it gets for Michelle Keegan. They're never going to be asking her to troll down a runway or, you know, fly her off to Milan for a photo shoot because she's, she's about as big as a Polly Pocket. Can't take her anywhere at all. You know, they, they just give her loads of hair, give her some makeup, give her a bit of airbrushing, and they go, you know, she's the best-looking person in the world. No, she's not. No, she's not. She's far from it. Must be a bit embarrassing to actually have something like that, because I think they're taking the mickey. I think they're taking the mickey. Uh, the man who loved a duck more than his wife, Keith Harrison Orville, four times, uh, had two children. He had uh, cancer. 
and uh, he he had depression as well. He'd had he'd had the set. I think he'd had alcoholism. I think he'd had depression. Poor soul. I mean, he'd had everything. But uh, in the end, he was still a family entertainer. He spent his last months with his family at their holiday villa in Portugal and their home near Blackpool. All he wanted to do was sit in the park and eat an ice cream and watch the world go by. Bliss. Bliss, ladies and gentlemen. I'd be quite happy with that. I'd be very happy at the end of my life if I could sit in a park with an ice cream and just watch people going by. That would keep me very, very happy. Because when you think he's worked really hard, really, really hard, and uh, and now he's, uh, he's got that wish, he's got his angel's wings... And Orville is silenced. Where will he go to? I'd like to think they'd donate him to the Magic Circle. That'd be nice. They've got sooty. It's 4.30. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Wednesday morning in London town. Do you know, I kept thinking today was Thursday. I've got no idea why. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten until I actually got in the car this morning that it's not Thursday, it's Wednesday. And, of course, this weekend, what is it? Ta-da! It's another bank holiday. So you get the Monday off. Play your cards carefully. You could probably get the Friday off and have an extra four days. That'd be good, wouldn't it? So, uh, Monday, you don't have to go to work. Well, I say you don't have to go to work. You might have to go to work. I don't know. Uh, I will be coming to work on the Monday. There's fun fairs all over the place. Trailins are setting up. That's, uh, that's the name of the, 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 uh, the family. They're setting up in Richmond. They've got the, uh, the Dodgems in. All the other little places, all the little rides and other things. And the Coconut Shire will fit in a bit later. Uh, that'll be open, no doubt, over this weekend. And there's probably, in fact, j- just type in on Google Showman's Guild. That'll tell you where all the fun fairs are around London and around where you are, because it's uh, showman's season. Provided they've got some good weather, they're all right. If it rains, they're completely up a gum tree. Completely up a gum tree. And I, th- I do think to myself that, you know, I can't remember what the weather was like last time we had a May bank holiday. <laughs> was it good, bad or indifferent? Seeing as I was predicting snow by the weekend, that would be funny, wouldn't it? No, not really. The showman would be killing me. Absolutely killing me. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I'm with you on the subject of Russell Brand, says Malcolm. I just don't find him funny. I know I've got a couple of people. Dawn, who writes to me, who's a big fan of Russell Brand. I just cannot... Um, what, to do what they did to Andrew Sachs, irrespective of all the other things he does... I mean, I just, I just think it's absolutely atrocious. Imagine if that was done to your family. If you read the transcript today of that conversation with Jonathan Ross and him, it was just absolutely the lowest common denominator. Jonathan Ross would be the first one to pick up his skirt and scream, you know, if his daughter got trolled like that on the end of an answer phone. You know, just absolutely appalling. And then he sits in his £2 million flat pontificating to poor little peasants who haven't got anywhere to live. Very sh- very strange, isn't it? Very strange. Uh, 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk And we shall weave everything in on the programme this morning. As indeed we do, because we're just, we're just caring. We're just very nice like that. And if you're up there around about Birmingham Way, that's where Nick and the team will be this morning in the LBC Battle Bus. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, the Sun on the front page, they're talking about uh, its tickets to Chessington World of Adventure. You know why? Because it's the weekend and all the kids want to go over there. All the kids want to go on, uh, on rides. Uh, then there's a picture of the Duchess of Cambridge, who's driving, heavily pregnant. I'm sure you can drive when you are heavily pregnant. 
But um, she's now four or five days overdue. She went swimming because you know that the Queen at Buckingham Palace has a private pool, which the royal family use, but also everybody else who works there is allowed to use it. Not at the same time, I hasten to add. (laughs) And so she's driving around, but there's a load of people sitting outside the hospital. I'm assuming, as indeed I did, I thought she was in the hospital. I had no idea. She's still pootling about. But she is pootling about, and uh, eventually, I suppose, she will, she will end up at the hospital, and that's when they'll say, right, it's now, it's now all going ahead. It's now all going ahead. Uh, band whistling, you'll have to stop girls ogling Poldark, because uh, the, the builders could find themselves being carted off by the police after an office worker, this is little Poppy Smart, it's a fragile little wallflower, uh, complained she was sexually harassed by workmen. They whistled, and one stood in front and went, morning, love. Morning. Can you imagine? I stand in front of people every day and go, morning, love. Can you imagine somebody goes, I'm sorry, I think that's sexist. Oh, get over yourself. You feel that way every day, dear. Good. Morning, love. There you go. Cute little thing you are this morning, aren't you? Pretty little thing. No, not you. We're not talking to you now. I'm talking to Poppy Smart. She's a pretty little thing. But, of course, she'd hate somebody saying that. So you, you can't say it anymore. She obviously doesn't want any compliments. You wait. She'll get to about 40 and people will be going, go away. Go away. And she'll be going, do you not think I'm pretty? No, we don't. No, we don't. So she's in the... Pa- it's amazing how many how many column inches this one has actually got. I mean, is it equally sexy? Do you think Poppy Smart has ever looked at a picture of David Beckham and gone, Quaw. do you think? Or, or any of these people. Do you think she's looked at people in Poldar and gone, Quaw. I'd like to find out some of her friends who'd, who'd sell her down the river going, she's always sitting there being sexist, leering over men. That's what you'd like to hear, isn't it? You go, oh, right, so it's all right for you to do it, but nobody else can do it. They only whistled at her, for God's sake. I wouldn't mind if they sort of mentally undressed her or did... Well, they might have done, I don't know. But, you know, whistling. I mean, you don't hear it that often. Most people can't whistle. You know, so look at that, it's pathetic. It doesn't even work. Bit, bit, bit early this time of the morning to try and learn how to whistle. And why was it that? Why was that the whistle that seemed to attract people as opposed to... You know, why Why is it... Can anybody explain why it's that whistle as opposed to just... Because it could be anything, couldn't it, really? But that says... Whereas... You know, that doesn't mean anything at all. You do that to somebody, they think you're doing a tune. So they could all join in. Roger Whittaker made a very good career out of whistling. But not many people whistle nowadays. It's a bit boring. She should be grateful somebody's whistling at her. Give it a year, nobody will be whistling at all. History lying in ruins. This is uh, in Nepal. Uh, Kathmandu's uh, Bazanpur Durba Square. You look at the buildings that have just they've just disappeared. Whew, gone. Absolutely gone. It's really, it's absolutely dreadful. It really is. Talking of dreadful, the family of a Brit missing in Nepal have been taunted by an Arsenal internet troll. English teacher David Emperor. There's a name to conjure with, was trekking in the region, devastated by Saturday's quake and has not been heard of since. His anxious loved ones who appealed on social media sites received an email from a stranger who claimed that Spurs supporter David was alive and well and was off to watch the Arsenal game on TV. The message to David's dad, James, from Diego Garzon read, Hi there, James. I'm with your son, Dave, just to let you know he's alive and kicking. Chattier than ever, and we'll be in touch once things settle down. For now, we're off to cheer on Arsenal as they take on those Chelsea... And he says a rude word. Much love, Diego and Dave Gunas for life. And uh, 
the, the, the family are at their wits' end on this. To be honest with you, actually, having just read it, it didn't actually seem that bad. It, the, the, there could actually be an element of truth to it. There could be. Because so far, the, uh, the British consul have said they've got no reports of any Britons dead. No reports of any Britons dead. I'm not saying that it, it, won't, it won't change, but it, it might do. It might do. You never know. And uh, they've heard nothing. They, e- or quite clearly, they emailed Diego back again. They say, why is this person doing it at a terrible time? We're being tortured. I didn't actually think it sounded that bad. Probably makes me a bad person saying that. But anyway, I mean, they're, you know, people, nobody's been confirmed dead yet. They haven't got any confirmations. Home Office would say the moment we had a confirmation is the moment we would actually sort of be able to tell you. But we can't at the moment. Jane Moore's column, always a good read. Talking about um, Abercrombie and Fitch, who've decided to phase out... This is a bit of a shock, because I had a producer who was an Abercrombie and Fitch model. Uh, Sexualised marketing. They're not going to have... Sorry, girls and Poppy. Any more male greeters at the stores. You know where they get somebody there with their shirt off, standing outside. You get it on Oxford Street. Regent Street. Regent, Yeah, Regent Street. Outside Abercrombie and Fitch. You could drive up there on a Sunday... And they'd have two male models standing outside with their shirts off. Never bloomin' asked me, did they? Ask you, Will? No. No. There's probably a reason for that, isn't there? Because you'd be asleep in bed. You couldn't, couldn't wake up at that time of the morning to be there. Otherwise, you know. No. And you were in church as well, because he's a good, good chorister, ladies and gentlemen. Ave Maria. And uh, we like that. So they've decided to phase it out. That'll disappoint all the gay guys in London. Be nothing to go and look at on a Sunday morning now. But uh, and, and not that I'll notice the difference says Jane Moore. Every time my daughter drags me in there, I'm rendered temporarily blind by the time the ridiculously dim lighting and, uh, and deafened by the un, un, unetrably dire-banging tunes. Quite frankly, she said, Gollum could be served me. I'd be none the wiser. Yes, I don't like places we go in where it's pitch dark inside there. And it does tend to be like that in Abercrombie and Fitch. It's all very dim lighting. I'm sorry, can you put the lighting up? Is it possible we could see what this thing looks like? It doesn't until you take it outside you've got any idea. Mind you, if, you, if you're a reasonably fit person and you're slim, you're OK. If you've got an ounce of fat, forget it. They don't want you. They don't want you in Ted Baker. They don't want you in any of these shops. They don't cater for big sizes. Whereas, in fact, there must be loads of people listening. You know, ladies and gentlemen as well, who would like to wear some really high fashionable stuff made by some of the big labels, accommodating the fact that, you know, most of these places emanate from America and they've got the fattest people in the world. So why not cater for people like that? And me. I'm rapidly reaching the end of Marks and Spencers. You know, we're up to XXL already. And they don't go any bigger than XXL. You've really got to hunt around. Sometimes you find a coat you think, oh, thank God, it's been given an extra inch. And that makes such a difference. You know, you, I was sitting next to this this bloke yesterday from ITN watching this screening of, of Spoot. And uh, I was thinking to myself, I don't know how old, he, he might have been 25, 26, but he was so slim. And I thought, he must be looking at me thinking, you've eaten all the pies, haven't you, Steve? You've eaten all the pies and then some. And I think, but then as I said yesterday, I'm firmly of the opinion that some people are big, some people aren't big. Some people are, are little, and they're going to remain little all their life. Some people, you know, you see chubby children. I wasn't a chubby child, because we did play outside. As you get a bit older, you tend not to play outside. Everybody's going to Barcelona recently. Four people in this building. I was speaking to one of my fellow presenters, Jez, the other day, and then Toby, 
and his producer, they're all going to Barcelona. I said, what is it about Barcelona? All I've got to do is find out that Ian went there, or Paul, and, uh, and we're all in trouble. And they said, oh, I just love Barcelona. Well, I went to Barcelona years ago. On a, we went on the cruise ship, and the, the family wanted to go and look around the stadium. And uh, the tender took me to... I, I said, well, I, I don't want to go around the stadium. I wasn't remotely interested in that. I'll just go and have a wander around the shops. Well, 15, 20 minutes of that, I was back on the tender and back on the ship. I couldn't think of anything worse. It was so boring. And also, when you're on holiday, you don't really... The whole idea is, you go on holiday, I'm going for the rest. I'm not actually going to exert any energy at all. I'm walking around Barcelona. You know when it's hot, and I don't do hot, as you all know. I'm walking around, I'm thinking, I'd rather be anywhere but here. You wish that you could be, like, bewitched and just click your fingers and there you were back on the ship, but it wasn't. I had to walk back. I had to remember where I was going. And when I got back there, it was such a blessed relief to sit on the tender. I thought, oh, thank God for that. I can go and have a lie down. Of course, they came back. They loved it. But all the guys here, I don't know why they all like Barcelona. Perhaps it's because they like football. Perhaps they're going there because of the football. Perhaps they're going there because of the, the art and the culture. Me, I couldn't stand it. I thought they'd all go to Palmer. I mentioned Palmer to one of them. He went, Palmer? I said, yeah, Palmer's really nice. That's sort of, you know, that's, that's got lots of shops on the hill. That's got that place where you go into, and it's like a church, but it's a coffee shop sort of thing. And it's got piles of oranges in the courtyard. It's the most amazing place. Candles everywhere, and you can go and sit outside, and they've got uh, doves and birds in cages. Beautiful. Really, but it's all these oranges everywhere. I've never seen so much fruit on the floor of a place. It's almost like, you know, a, a scene from the Italian job. It's a bit like that. And they went, oh, no, because I think that's near, is that near Magaluf? Or something like that. Whatever it is, down the road from Palmer, there's this real chav place. Really awful. We actually got there in, in, in a taxi. We went there, a couple of us, years ago. Just have a look. And we got out the taxi. We looked around. We got back in the taxi. And we went back where we came from. It was, it was way too bad. Way too bad. Lots of drunks everywhere. Now they turn it into a television programme. People go, oh, isn't it exciting? We're going to Magaluf or wherever it is people go to. And, uh, and the answer is, no, it's not. I think you've got to be a certain age and off your trolley. Because if you're a normal adult, you'll hate it. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. It's Wednesday. I'm Steve Allen. I think it's Thursday. But that's just me being completely difficult. I know we all, we all go, I wonder why it's not Thursday. And the answer is because I've, because I've done something every day this week. And... Um, and then yesterday they phoned me because you remember about the tyre, the tyre story. And uh, Peter phoned me the other day from the, uh, from the garage to say, he said, we can't repair the puncture uh, in the side of it because the uh, screw is actually in the outer rim of the tyre. And my tyres are quite big, as you know. So he said, so it's, it's got to be a new tyre, I'm afraid. They always apologise when, when it's a new tyre. Not that it makes any difference to me. And so I phoned him back. I said, I, had, I was never under the... Um, under the illusion that it was going to be a puncture repair. I didn't think you could puncture repair. But a friend of mine has had his tyre repaired about 20 times. Admittedly, it's only on a very small car and, you know, you could hold the car up with one hand. But he has these, they put plugs in or something, like a plug. I said, I wouldn't risk it at all. I'd rather have a new tyre. I would rather. But there's so many bits of metal on the roads nowadays. I mean, there really is. There's so many, you know, I mean, I'm, one time I had two tyres in one day. I had the tyre done. I was driving down the road. I pulled into home. And the moment I pulled in, I thought, it feels a bit funny. Car's dragging a bit. Get out there. Tss, and it's, it was just awful. Just dreadful. 
That's true. But, you know, whatever. You know, they can't do anything about it, can you? Get a flat tyre, you get a flat tyre. That's why people join the AA and the RAC and Green Flag and anybody else who's out there. They join that. Uh, on the way... Oh, dear, I'm not sure I want to tell you this. I'm not sure I want to ruin your weekend. They say the bank holiday washout is on the way. Uh, April the 14th, UK basks in 25 degrees sizzler. April 28th, it's minus six and four inches of snow in Durham. Not so good. They've got a picture of a Mercedes. They reckon that four inches will fall in 36 hours. Oh, my God, fathers. That's not good, is it? Apparently, oh, this was yesterday from the Pennines. Huge swathes of the north were blanketed a fortnight after the hottest April day in four years. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. But it is cold in the mornings. It was cold this morning. So I did tweet. Perhaps I should put a vest on. Make it a bit easier. Uh, lovely Dennis. And he says... Uh, wait a minute. Can I just... Let me just move this. Just... Oh, look at that. I could do that without making any noises. Uh, coming through loud and clear on a cold, frosty Northern Ireland morning. Doesn't that make it sound festive? cold and frosty morning. There's something about it. I said yesterday, looking out the window as a kid, and the snow started coming down, you would sit there and watch it. I could be fascinated by snow every day of the year. I don't want to be in it, I just want to watch it. It's very, very pretty. Uh, Well, it is in this country, it's not very pretty over in Nepal, as we know. After listening to your show, uh, I then listened to, uh, to another radio station, which is over in Northern Ireland, and uh, he listens to a double act over there. Now, I'm not plugging somebody else's programme. I'm not doing it for all the tea in China. But he says that apparently Russell Brown has been given £400,000 anonymously to stand in the upcoming elections. So he said, we did this on the programme a few days ago. It arrived in a, in a box, apparently, to his agent. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. Might have just been something made up. Could have been anything, couldn't it? But um, somebody says, this. one of the presenters on this other station that Dennis listens to, says, I think he's probably overqualified for that job. And then the girl says, yes, he is too smart. He's so smart, nobody understands him. Which just about sums up what we think of Russell Brand here in Northern Ireland. <laughs> he says, why don't you invite him in for one of your excellent interviews? You could tear strips off him. That'd be great listening. Yeah, the trouble is, because he's so arrogant, because he's so arrogant, he just talks all over people because he thinks he knows what he's talking about. But it's because his brain was fried ages ago. Dennis. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, I'm secretly, only secretly, looking forward in a strange masochistic kind of way to White D and Nick Ferrari today. He'll be in Birmingham, in the battle bus, I think it's already parking up even as we speak, and White D's going to be on it. White D. I mean, I thought her career had finished. I thought it had finished. She appeared on a couple of things on, on television, and uh, then that was just about it. People just realised she was just some overweight, chain-smoking old has-been. Which, uh, which kind of sums people up. R.I.P. to a great ventriloquist and, uh, and showman. Had the privilege, said Darren, of seeing one of his adult shows. Keith's made cuddles as rude as insulting as possible, especially when being heckled. <laughs> I love hecklers. I love hecklers. I think hecklers are fantastic. I have so much fun with hecklers. I don't get them at my shows. I really don't. And uh, one here, says, uh, this is Tony, says, you're, you're in a, an unseasonal good mood today. Yesterday you said you slammed your brakes on. No, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. No, he said, I can't bear it when people don't, don't listen. I didn't say I slammed my brakes on. I've never slammed my brakes on in my life. I said, I touch them lightly. That's not slamming your brakes on. I touch them lightly. If somebody's tailgating me on a motorway or anywhere, I touch the brakes very lightly, which just, which has the effect of bringing on the brake light without actually activating the brake. So I never slam on brakes. Oh, no, that would be a very stupid thing to do. There's so many bad drivers in this country, they're more than likely to go into the back of the car. So I, I wouldn't... Um, 
I, I wouldn't ever do anything like that, especially not on a motorway where people are going above 50 miles an hour. And on some of the motorways round here, you know, in this country, people are bombing up and down. It's terrible. You see them all on the on those interceptor programmes. You probably get them all around the world. I've seen the... Is it the Australian one or the New Zealand one where the police officers look about 15 years old? And they ask you, if they actually stop you for, say, drink driving... They had a guy there a short while ago, and they said, uh, oh, oh, Christ, mate, have you been have you been drinking? And the guy... Very good accent there. A bit like Skippy. And, um, and I've just put a book, actually, about Lassie. Not about Lassie, but about the little boy who was it with him in all the series. He's still alive. They've written a book about his time with Lassie. You know, where Lassie would go, woo, 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 woo. They'd go, there's somebody trapped in a well. It was a bit like Skippy or, uh, or that, that dolphin. It was, you know, all these animals talk to people. They had a woman on the Paul O'Grady show the other day. She reckoned she talked to Buster, his new Buster, and Hugh Bonneville's dog as well. I don't believe a word of it. I thought she was mad as a fruitcake. But uh, so nice to see Rochelle Humes there. Have you noticed, whenever she lets her guard down, she's oh, a bit like a bloke. And, uh, and Ben Shepherd, who I reckon if you saw him close up, he looks quite old. He looks a bit jowly at the moment. He's looking a bit sunken cheeks. Very sunken cheeks. But uh, there again, better, better make the money while the hate... He must have thought when he was dropped first time round from breakfast television, he'd never work again. But uh, now you can't get rid of him off the blasted telly. He's doing that thing with Rochelle, which is Gladiators. It's just a direct rip-off. Nothing original on the telly, is there? Nothing original on the telly at all. Uh, Fighting an awful cold, says Julie, and feeling like hell. If Poppy had liked to tell me where her builders are, a wolf whistle would lift my mood. I know. You don't get wolf whistles anymore, do you? I think mainly because there's so many East European workers on building sites. They don't do wolf whistling. It's something that's strangely archaic. I think they do it here in America, and that's about it. Don't do it anywhere else, do they? But everybody's uh, talked about this girl saying she must be incredibly fragile, and yet she did her little pose for the cameras. As I say, you what? I'd like to find out from one of her friends if she's ever leered at the television and gone, cool, look at that. You know, because that would kind of kill her act straight away. And uh, I just see her as that woman. Do you remember that woman who turned up in the paper? She went on Celebrity Big Brother and said, I'm, I'm, I'm too beautiful. You know, other women hate me and all this kind of thing. She was a real plain Jane. And then she brought out her boyfriend or husband or something. She went, you know, because women are jealous because I've got him. And I looked at him thinking, oh, my God, you must be joking, love. Dreadful. Oh, look, here she is, the most beautiful woman in the entire universe. Yes, it's Michelle Keegan, who they still have to put former Corrie star, in case you can't remember who she is. She's a plain Jane. She's a plain Jane. But uh, here she is. She's, uh, she's returned from Dubai. Oh, good. How exciting. Riveting, isn't it? So, little picture taken. Now go away. There, but who else was there? Oh, it was nice to see um, Jessica Wright, because she doesn't get out often enough, does she? Poor old soul, honestly. A little bit of competition there. I think it's two Chav families meeting. I think that's what it is. Gangsters. I put a contract on the head of a topless model jailed for 16 years for luring a gambler to his death. I'm glad that uh, Leonie Granger broke down in court. She was the one who uh, targeted a man in a casino. Vile piece of work. And uh, they've, uh, they've, they've said to her, listen, darling, you're forever going to be looking over your shoulder. A low-level villain tipped her family off that they were being targeted too. Ooh, scary, very scary. But uh, so hitmen targeting her because she lured a gambler to his death because the two people who beat him up... The family have now traced, uh, sort of shut their Facebook account so they can't be traced. Uh, she's been in Holloway prison because could be switched. Uh, this, this woman enticed Mr Hassan to take her back to his flat in Islington where her boyfriend, Jackson, and Chandler were waiting outside... 
After she let the South London pair in, they kicked him to death before fleeing with 3,000 quid. She was found guilty of manslaughter. It was a honey trap. Scotland Yard, quite rightly, have refused to comment on the on the hitman threat, but she's a vile piece of work. All three of them, vile, disgusting. I hope she gets beaten up in prison. But that's, that's the only satisfaction you could ever get. She lured two people to a flat and then got the victim there and they kicked him to death. You can only hazard a guess at what his suffering was and praying that it would soon be over. So I'm glad you're going to rot in prison for 16 years. Uh, so here's the uh, the Portuguese policeman who claimed that Kate and Jerry McCann were behind their missing daughter Madeline's death. He's got to pay them £434,000. Where he's going to get it, I don't know. He's a Portuguese copper. You don't seriously believe he's got half a million quid in the bank, do you? I don't. I really don't. Uh, the book's now we've been drawn, and uh, it caused a lot of worry to the McCanns. Uh, Kate says it was never about the money. So that's good. So now you've got the money. As it's not about the money... Mr and Mrs McCann, can you give it back to the government? So at least you're making an effort. You know, that, I mean, that's not too unreasonable to ask, is it? It's not about the money. Good. Then give the money into the search for Madeleine McCann. Do, do that. That, w- that would make people perhaps feel a bit differently about you. Perhaps make them feel a little bit different. £434,000. That could go a little way. It's £10 million so far we've spent. And we don't seem to be any nearer. In fact, we aren't any nearer at all. We have nothing We have no evidence, we have no sightings, we have no clothing, we have no fingerprints, we have no strange people in the region who've been questioned. We don't have anything. We've got absolutely nothing at all. And that's cost us £10 million. It does seem that we're just wasting a lot of money. So if you put that £434,000, which I'm quite sure you don't need, being two doctors, that would go some way to sort of easing people's conscience about how much we're wasting on one child when we don't appear to have actually been getting anywhere, and it's been years and years down the line. So that would be nice, because they both said we're delighted, but it was never about the money. So give, give the money over to the government and say, there you go, let's let that be an end to it. I think that's, that's a brilliant idea, an absolute brilliant idea. Uh, so, if you ban whistling, you'll have to stop people ogling Poldark, and everybody ogles Poldark. This whistling thing, it's made all the papers today. Plus the uh, this protein powder stuff. Be very careful, ladies and gentlemen. The bloke who, uh, who owns the company reckons he's made a million with people trying it. You don't seriously believe you can take something and the weight's going to fall off, do you, when you don't even know what's in it? Dear me. I mean, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, there is in Greville Janner's case, and that's uh, cropped up again in the papers. Good uh, for you. More money and aid are pouring into Nepal. A dose of cocaine. One dose can affect your brain within seconds. The freeze on VAT and income tax. They're promising you anything as we get ever nearer polling day. And today in Birmingham is Nick Ferrari. You can join him on the battle bus after seven. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square, right in the heart of the capital. Farewell to the TV puppet king. Yes, he's passed on. He had cancer, but at least he had a, he had a good run, a really good run. And he had a villa in Portugal. The McCanns win £433,000. They said it's not about the money. It's about, you know, making sure that you cannot... You cannot libel them. Perhaps this policeman thought he could get away with it. What publisher passed it? I've got no idea. Uh, the victims calling for a review of the DPP's Janna decision. 
This one's not going away. The British money and aid pouring into Nepal. Baltimore burns. The looting continues. And TV shows indulgent dad didn't pay for our kids, says his ex. Who is he? Tell you this morning on the programme. Nice to be company as well. We take all your texts and emails. 84850-SEVE-AT-LBC.CO.UK. And um, there's always stories in the papers about uh, Harry Styles... It's amazing, isn't it, really, um, that Harry Styles can get loads of coverage. And it's never been derogatory. I don't think I've ever read anything derogatory about, uh, about Harry Styles. I did listen. Somebody was telling oh, I can't tell you. Somebody told me a bit of gossip the other day, and I can't repeat it. But anyway, um, so Harry Styles is out, whereas Louis Tomlinson and Zayn Malik just get bad publicity. And then, of course, there was that other poor, thing, another poor creature from One Direction, Niall Horan, who turned up in a London club, and there was some ex who'd been kicked out of the Only Wears Essex, and I did warn him, I said, get away, get away from her. She's a publicity freak. She's one of these people who actively seeks out people to make money out of. Uh, a pal for British drug smuggler, Lindsay Sandiford, was executed by firing squad on Bali. Andrew Chan, befriended in jail by the grandmother, was among eight drug traffickers tied to posts and shot in the heart in the Indonesian island. That's what, that's what the death penalty is. It sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it, when you dismiss it, they say, but that's what they do. They just tie you to a post. They're not going to say, would you mind just standing there while we do it, because you're going to be running backwards and forwards. So they have to be tied to a post, and then people take aim. But as far as I know, only three people fire bullets. The rest don't uh, do that. They did have last days of execution, but they were turned down. One person did not. So out of the nine we thought were going to be executed, eight were executed uh, Sandiford, who comes from Teesside, claims she was forced to become a drugs mule when a gang threatened to kill members of her family. And uh, they've been appealing. I think the, I mean, I don't, I don't know how far down the road the government have gone with this one, where they've just washed their hands and said, listen, if she's been convicted of drug smuggling, we don't want people like that back here. We had those other two drug mules. And they were going, oh, it's going to be terrible for them in prison. Good. Good. That's what prison is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a holiday camp. It's not supposed to be somewhere you go just to have a bit of relaxation. No, as far as I'm concerned, convicted drug smuggler, you can rot in prison as far as I'm concerned. I've really got no, uh, no, no worries about that whatsoever. My conscience is entirely clear. Uh, updated titles are going to be introduced by the Royal Mail after complaints. Apparently now it's going to be Mr and Mr and Miss... Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Thank you again. Uh, it's going to be Mr and Mr and Mrs and Mrs... Same-sex weddings became legal last year, while civil partnerships have been taking place since 2005. Ruth Tidmarsh, addressing a parcel to married lesbian friends, was told she'd made an error when she tried to put Mrs and Mrs. Told she'd made an error? From whom? Who on earth would be bothered who you've written to? I mean, I'd, I'd write to a friend. I'm not sure, actually, whether or not, depending on, you know, which part of the country you live in, whether or not people want their private life banded around. Oh, so it's two men living together, is it? Yeah, it could be brothers. Yes, I don't think so. Mr and Mr and Mrs and Mrs. I mean, that just looks slightly odd, doesn't it? Mrs and Mrs. It doesn't even sound right. Mind you, Mr and Mr doesn't sound right. Why could you just put down, you know, Ian and Brian so-and-so? Doesn't it make more sense? I think so. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm perfectly happy to admit that I'm wrong, but I'm not. Uh, then there was a, a poor woman here. She couldn't cope. A lotto winner. Um, Helen Ford, who's bipolar, bought a seaside flat. She won... £500,000. Her close pal, Tracy, says um, it was the worst thing that could have happened to her. She's a, a former ballet dancer. She battled loneliness and despair and took frequent overdoses as a cry for help. And then she uh, 
Uh, 12 years after her lottery win, I don't think you can actually blame it on the lottery then, 12 years after it, she walked into the uh, path of a train on a train track and died. They say He said uh, Helen's intentions uh, were not clear. He wasn't even sure that it was suicide. But 12 years after she won £500,000, that's a nice thing to win, isn't it, 500000 Bought herself a seaside flat, but she battled loneliness. Loneliness, I ask you, in this day and age. I've, you know, people have sort of said to me, you know, what do you do if you're lonely? I've had people write to me before. Say, you know, I feel really unhappy, I haven't got this, I haven't got that. I think everybody goes through that phase, don't they? At some point in your life, you know, if, if you maybe you've left home and you've moved to London or any one of a number of huge cities around this great isle of ours, you can feel very lonely. You can go to nightclubs and feel lonely in the middle of a crowd. It's quite easy to feel that because everything comes at a price. If you've got money and you've got friends, then it's absolutely fine. But you can still be lonely and have friends doesn't always work that way. But I remember sitting in London one time thinking, am I ever going to get a job? Am I ever going to get a job? I remember going for a couple of jobs and I had, I had uh, two days a week working as a nightclub DJ. And that was great. But I remember thinking, I can't survive on this. Can't, the rent was £9 a week. I can't survive on this. It's ridiculous. And then, uh, then eventually we turned a corner and uh, things came good. I've often said to people before, you know, sometimes patience is a virtue. It's, it's there. It might not happen straight away. You might think that the world's absolutely collapsing around your ears, but I promise you it's not. It's not. But she was obviously really unhappy. And yet she had a friend, but obviously she didn't feel able to, uh, to open, open up to her, which is a great shame, isn't it? Great shame. But, uh, I wonder what will happen now to the flat. Uh, one here that says, uh, I love your show. Do you sleep all day? No. I don't sleep at all during the day. Why would I sleep at the day? I go to, go to bed in the evening. Quite normal, I think, in this day. Some people do go to bed. Some people who work overnight. I mean, I'm assuming that if you finish work at four in the morning, as Darren does, he goes home to bed. Otherwise, what do you do? Do you sit there waiting for the sun to come up? It would be a little bit lonely. So loads of people who work overnight. My friend Simon, who works for another one of our radio stations, he goes home to bed. And uh, Will goes home to bed. Whereas I've already been to bed. So by the time I finish this morning, and then I've got an interview at 10 o'clock, so I'll be home by about half past 11, hopefully get the car today, which will be quite nice, because I want to go and poodle about at the weekend. It's, it's the weekend where I take my brother to a garden centre, and he picks out loads of things. Then when we get to the checkout, I pay for it, and he expresses surprise. It's, that's how it works. But every year I do the same thing. So I say, right, should we go to the garden centre? There's a very big garden centre down the road from him. And he goes round, and he just loads things up. We did it at Costco a while ago, and he said, if I'd known you were going to pay for it, he said, I'd have picked up more stuff. I said, that's what you think. No, but I'm, I, I will over this weekend. I love this mother on the television in Baltimore. Her son is all hooded up, and she's smacking him about the head. She's swearing at him, and he's going off with his tail between his legs like a little girl's blouse. More mums we need out on the streets like that. It featured in the film Carry On At Your Convenience. Sorry to link it to a Carry On film, which was set in bogs and... Co. It was a factory that made toilets. And uh, Rennie Houston was the fiery mum in that. And when her son kept bringing people out, you know, he'd say, sorry, you're doing this? Well, that's for... The- oh, no. Everybody out. A bit like the rag trade. And so out they went. And in the end, he said, right, everybody out. And she went, oh, no, you don't, my lad. You come here. And she put him over her knee and gave him a good spanking. And everybody laughed at him. And then they sent him, sent him back into the factory. So that's what you need. More mums. You'll see it today on the television. The mum in Baltimore. Who is, uh, who is, <laughs> she's not having anything to do with it. You know, my son's going out there with a, with a, a thing on his face. No, you're not. Smacks him about the head. Of course, he's, he's now made to look 
So stupid. So stupid. Uh, Mirror today. The wait is driving us crazy, Kate. Oh, it's gone on forever. I've had jokes that are shorter. Really? I mean, it's just gone on forever. I mean, we're now over five days late. Could they not do anything else? I mean, could they not? I mean, she's been in for a swim, and that's lovely. Can't they induce? Can't they? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow tomorrow morning you think it'd be better. Oh, right, you've got Thursday night off. Yes, yes, put it this way. If, if it's going to happen today, could it happen after 6.30 this morning? <laughs> actually, actually, after after 7, let's get clear of the building so we can do that one. People always dread that. But you, you, you do know, don't you, that if ever there is a death in the royal family, and it's, say it occurs at 3 in the morning, they hold it until the main news bulletin. No, no point in announcing something at 3 in the morning, so we're fairly safe there, but I think a royal birth. I think the nearest you'd get on this programme is she's gone into labour and she's in the hospital and we and you think, no, just drag it out a few, little bit longer. <laughs> just knock her out a bit further, just so, so we can wait and see. I mean, I, I, think it'll, I think it'll happen before the weekend. There you go, that's my shilling prediction for today. Uh, also, TV stars told, do not plug Beach Ad Diet. Towie stars, and they're not stars, they're just numpties. Mario Falcone, poor soul, honestly, what a loser. And uh, he's been used on it. Critics have called the ads offensive and harmful. Uh, lots of complaints to the Advertising Standards Authority, because these people are paid to endorse something. They don't know anything about it. They're not intelligent enough. Uh, Mario did a photo shoot. Uh, the firm also offered other ITV stars up to £2,000 to tweet about the product. That's how it works nowadays. You give me £2,000, I'll tweet about it and go, this stuff's marvellous. I don't know anything about it. Could kill you. I don't know. I do not know. None of these people know. If you said to Mario Falcone, what's actually in it? What, what, what are you endorsing here? If you said to uh, that, uh, that Fahir's girl, I mean, she, she, you know, if somebody paid her 20 quid, you know, to tur- turn a fridge light on and off, she'd probably do it. Susanna Reid has blasted the ad on air as anxiety-inducing. A protein world boss said critics were irrational. Of course he is. He's trying to make money. And he'll tell you anything. We had it years ago with Kit What's-His-Face, who was doing Bylin tea. The tea you drink and the weight just falls off you. Just remember, all these people started off with these bodies. They haven't taken this stuff and that's what they've ended up with. They've been paid to endorse something. Just be aware of that. Just be aware. You don't seriously think that people who are paid to endorse something actually use the product. No. Not a bit of it. You just go, thank you very much indeed, there's two two thousand pounds and we put your picture up on a on a on a website and people go, Oh right, so I I'll end up with a body like that. No, you won't. No, you won't. Be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Uh what else do we have in the paper today? We had um uh, apart from the uh, the electioneering, you'll hear that more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. And uh who's Mr Clarkson talking to? Could it be Jodie Kidd? It could be her. Is he endorsing her? Is he... Not that he could endorse, but they say here um, she could be the person to take over on Top Gear. But the other two have said if he's not there, they don't want to do it. And I will remind you again in about five minutes about going abroad and uh, not having the right documentation so you can hire a car. I need to impress on you how serious this could be for you. If you're taking the family abroad, and this is any time after, I think it's, uh, I think June. I think it's April, May, yes, I think it's about June. If you don't have this piece of paper with a certain number on it, you're not going to better rent a car abroad. It's as simple as that. Because they're doing away with the paperless bit from the licence. More details coming up in a moment. Quarter past five. Harrowing scenes on the television this morning, as you can well imagine, over in Bali as the parents of those executed 
uh, just sob their hearts out, and it's it's quite it's really it's quite harrowing. One of them, I believe, one of the Australians, said he didn't want to wear a blindfold. He wanted to stare them in the eyes, the people who were going to execute him. And uh, and I think, well, that's, that's probably very... It's not going to make any difference, is it? They're not aiming for your head. They're just aiming for your heart. But you do feel sorry for... I don't think wearing a blindfold would make any difference at all. I'd want to watch everything, wouldn't you? Seriously, I would. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be one of those people saying... blind. I'd be more frightened being blindfolded. I never quite understood why, when they sort of hang you in British prisons, they put a hood over your head. What's the purpose of that? I believe one person whispered to the executioner, get on with it. Because it's it's the it's the not knowing. I'd want to know. I'd be looking down. You're going to do it now. Well, do it now. Don't leave me standing here. All I do is to get it over and done with as quickly as possible. I would have thought. The sooner you're sitting up there on the cloud playing a harp, the better it is for you. So here is this big problem. If you're going to be going abroad, and lots of you go abroad, you'll be taking holidays. Not for this bank holiday. You don't need to worry about this one. But uh, from June the eighth, the paper bit of your driving licence is being done away with. In other words, you won't need, you won't have the piece of paper which has got your endorsements on there or anything else like that. It will be held on DVLA. You just have your photo card with you. But when you go abroad to hire a car, you're going to need an extra piece of paper. And what you will need to do. So, I mean, people are unaware of it. I keep trying to remind people on a daily basis because I know it's going to cause... There will be somebody in the paper. Well, it ruined my children's holiday. We went over there and we wanted to drive around Florida and we couldn't do this because of... Because that's what you do. You go to America, you rent a car, and uh, I wouldn't recommend it. It's quite lethal driving in America. And so what you need, you need to print out. You need to go on to the the website. I mean, 56% of people are totally unaware of this change. So that's why I want you... LBC listener, dear person that you are, to uh, to get your record. And I want to make sure, because you need to go onto the website, you'll put in your number of your driving licence, and it will give you a number. And that number you need to take with you on a piece of paper. Not your driving licence number, but the number that comes from DVLA. And that will mean that the people at the other end can put that number into the computer and they can see your record. So they're doing away with the bits of paper. Not that I ever went to hire a car abroad. But if you're thinking about doing it... Just be well aware that you might not be able to get a car unless you've got this special number. So you've got... Also, the other problem is, don't just think you can do it months in advance. It's only valid for two days. Only for two days. Perhaps easier not to rent a car, eh? Perhaps easier not to rent a car. Yes, it's only going to be valid for two days. Uh, Alison Phillips talks about um, the beach body ready. She says here... Uh, Most honest women would tell you they prefer not to be fat on the beach. Most honest women know that being slim is better for your health. Most honest women know some people need proper help to get to the root cause of their weight problems. Others just need to eat less and move around more. What none of us need is to be patronised and preached at. Because, you know, we can be whatever size we want to be. And it's absolutely fine, both for ourselves and society generally. Because it's just a big fat lie, isn't it? You don't need this protein. It's made this man very rich. All it's cost him is a few thousand quid to hand out to some third-rate D-list, Z-list celebrities. And they go, oh, look, this is me on it. And you think, no, Sam Fahir's always looked like that. Always. Do not believe it. It's just hogwash. You know, and also, do you know what you're putting in your body? If I said I'm selling pills, the Steve Allen sure cure way to lose weight, and I bought these pills abroad, and they said you can have a million of them for 20 quid. And I go, fantastic, we'll just put them in a fancy box. We'll do some publicity. I'll, I'll pay a couple of old numpties, a couple of hundred quid, just to go, this is lovely, endorse it a few times. Now you know how the system works. 
Sam Fahiris will take any bit of money. She doesn't actually have a proper job as such. She just sort of swans around to Dubai. Louisa Zisman, I thought she'd finished ages ago. You know, it'd be easier if they gave White D a thousand quid and said, can you promote this stuff? <laughs> you can see what it really does to you. You don't want to put stuff into your body. You don't know what is in it. I'll never quite understand that. Nearly two-thirds of everybody in Britain is overweight. You know, are you beach body ready? What, you think by taking as a protein supplement, your, your weight is going to vanish? To where? Where do you think it's going to go? Where do you think it's going to go? You're just going to be left with, like, rolls of blubber. You're going to be sort of, you know, cart- you're going to be going, well, I had it, but look, I can't get rid of it. So the fat finger of blame points to us, not the diet billboards. Please, please, don't waste your time or money. Want to lose weight? Go to the doctor, get a diet sheet, do some exercise, and uh, all will be well. And you've done it for free. Don't need to spend a penny piece. Uh, 84850. Probably better to print it out when you get on holiday, then, if it's only valid two days. Well, it's no good doing that, because when you get to the airport, you want to rent the car, don't you? No point in printing it out when you're on holiday. You've got to do it before you get to the holiday. So you print it out the day you fly. Then when you get to the airport the other end, you book in. Or you've already booked your car anyway. You go in there, and then you can show them the... Um, all the, all the documentation. But that paper bit, totally invalid. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, 84850, oh, steve Where's the jelly gone from our great old pork pies? Oh, it's still there, sadly. The most revolting bit I've ever uh, had in a, in a pork pie. In fact, I had it the other day. In a Marks and Spencer's uh, pork pie. It's in all pork pies. And it's mainly in the Melton Mowbray ones. It's this sort of pork and it's surrounded. It's this gelatinous, it's like jellyfish. Horrid. Horrible. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So don't print it out when you go on holiday. Might be too late. Might be too late. A lot of people saying, goodness me, you cannot induce a royal baby. Well, how much longer is it going to go for? I mean, how much longer are these poor people going to have to sit on the pavements waiting? Waiting. You know, yes, she's given... Yes, she's given... And also, then you have to wait another day before they sort of deem to walk outside. But if she's still swimming... And still driving around, I'm assuming, only guessing, because I don't know much about this this kind of thing, that uh, that she's not ready. She's not ready just yet. Keith Harris does get loads of loads of coverage in the papers. In fact, even more than I thought he would get. He's uh, died at 67. His wife said Keith had a beautiful innocence. He was taken too young, but they must have needed an angel in heaven. Well, I think they were looking for a good vent. I think the angels have been complaining recently. And he went, well, all right, well, I'll, listen, I can give you Keith Harris... Oh, can we have Keith Harris in Orville? Yes, you can. He'll be entertaining at the Angels' birthday party this week. And uh, they had Louis Theroux, slightly strange man, and, uh, and, uh, and all his, uh, his different girlfriends. Apparently, his wife says he never showed the pain. He smiled and joked until the end because he was in showbiz. That's what we do. So I said, that's what we do. <laughs> Me, sort of linking myself to being in, in show business. Christine, how are you, Bleakley? Oh, wonderful. She's in the papers again today. Why is she in the papers? Has she done something marvellous? Has she done something really exciting? No. No, she's done nothing exciting for years. Except lifting the lid on Frank Lampard's home habits. He bites his toenails. Riveting, riveting. What a dull, boring, end-of-the-peer act they must be. He bites his toenails. That's the riveting thing. I mean, how disgusting is that? How disgusting is that? But also, fancy telling people. Hi, you, biting your toenails. God in heaven. Old lamps. 
named Lamps for obvious reason, apparently left squirming when his fiancée told how he drops his nails on the floor. They appeared on this lame quiz, Play to the Whistle. This is the one you don't want to appear on. This is one that's got Kiss of Death written all over it. Hosted by Holly Willoughby. You know, very sweet, but I think it's produced by her uh, her husband. And, you know, if the best you can get is Christine Bleakley and Frank Lampard, I'd give up now and go home. And that's the best. Apparently, in one slot called Mr and Mrs Lampard, Frank claimed he woos his partner by cooking chilli con carne. It's riveting stuff. It really is. I mean, that's just so exciting. I think I'll have to sell my place uh, just so I can buy another big television to really enjoy this. Apparently, Christine told how the midfielder sulks for days on end if he loses a football match. Riveting. Absolutely riveting. God, how to make yourself out to be Mr and Mrs Dull, Mr and Mrs Boring, Mr and Mrs Go Get a Life. We even had to cancel the odd night out. Frank replied, think you're exaggerating a bit. I bet she's not. It's so dull, isn't it? Oh, crikey, honestly. I tell you, watching paint dry is marginally more exciting than listening to Christine Bleakley droning on about things. Other stories, uh, Greville Janner could still face charges over child sex. They're still investigating this other thing of how he's able to sign the house over. Very strange, that one. If you've got dementia, you can't sign the house over. You're not uh, not fit for purpose, are you, really? And here's a picture of, uh, of Zane. And he's hanging around. So he's obviously gone back to normal life. He was talking about, he, he was meeting somebody called uh, Gurinder Chada, and uh, she was the Bendit Light Beckham director, and she's, uh, she's looking at roles for Zane. How about failed boy band member quits? That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Failed boy band member quits. You know, goes running back to mummy, might be with girlfriend still, not too sure, but now decides wants to be actor. Can't wait to see it, I love it. Mind you, we're still eagerly awaiting... The uh, award-winning, not, Sarah Harding, who's got lots of things going on in her life. None of them seem to be involving work. We're hoping that uh, she does very well in Coronation Street, just for only four episodes. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be coming. Wednesday, 29th of April. Do you remember that house that was painted in the candy stripes? Because I can't remember why it was, actually. It was something over the, the neighbours. Oh, that's right. She wanted to, I think, demolish the house and build one with a two-level basement. And the council said no. So she painted it candy-striped. Well, now the council have said, um, you can't have that. Now, I wasn't aware that there would be rules about what colour. We have a woman who's painted her house sort of pink in Twickenham. She's also painted the car pink. She goes out in pink. It's quite awful, and it would probably devalue the houses either side, I should imagine. I wouldn't want to live next door to a pink house. But this stripy one, I thought, looked okay. Since when do the council come around and say, you've got to do it, unless you're living in a protected area? If you live in Regent's Park, you can't paint your house any other colour than the ones, uh, than the the colour which is designated by them. It is a special colour for houses in Regent's Park. They all have to have it done at a certain time, and it costs thousands of pounds. But you've got to have it done. That's part of the part of the deal. This woman, as far as I know, what gives the right, the council, what gives the council the right to go round and say you can't have candy stripes? What's, you know, why, why would that be? I mean, it's like going round saying, um, even though she owns it, and apparently it's worth 15 million, um, why... Why would they not say you can have any colour you want? Residents have branded it garish and hideous and complained to the council. And so she's had a a notice served on her because of numerous complaints. I mean, I see this ending badly. She's been given, I think, until uh, July the 3rd to go back to plain white. She doesn't want it plain white. 
She wants it candy-striped. And everybody's seen it. Most people like it. I mean, I wouldn't want to live next door to it, but it wouldn't actually affect me, because I don't sit out... You know, if I was in the house next door, I wouldn't be sitting outside looking at that house. I'd just be going, we're, we're, we're next door to the candy-striped house. And it looks lovely close up. Who are the neighbours who complained about it? What a bunch of snooties they are. What difference does it make? Kensington and Chelsea have served notice 251. 215. And uh, so it's got to go back. Residents have said it's hideous. And um, the... Uh, if the notice is not complied with, the council can enter the property and carry out the necessary work. Well, they can walk into your property just because they don't like the colour you've painted your house. What a bunch of little Hitlers they turn out to be. So, in other words, you've bought your house, it's worth £15 million, but the council, none of whom you know or who even live next door to you, have dictated what colour it's got to be. So, in other words, if, if somebody on the council goes barking mad for lime green pistachio, then that's the colour you've got to paint it. It's ridiculous. I've never heard anything like it. Admittedly, it's not to everybody's taste. She did it probably to get back at the neighbours, and the neighbours have gone, wow, you're disgraceful. Disgraceful they painted the blooming house and struck like a candy bar. But I think it's quite interesting. Good for her. I mean, I don't like... I don't like the idea she's done it, but I applaud why she's done it. I mean, I wouldn't want to live next door to it. I just, I just feel that she's sort of perhaps gone too far. But I think the council have poked their nose in. I'd go find a lawyer. If I was her, I'd be finding a lawyer going, can we actually check on whether or not the council are entitled to decide? Where does it say in the lease the council decide what colour your house has got to be? Isn't that like the difference between putting up window boxes and not window boxes or maintaining the outside of the property? They've now told her that uh, also the window frames need looking at because they're, they're rotting. What's it got to do with you? These busybodies who work on the council, they really are, aren't they? Uh, the Daily Express... Royal fans get breakfast now from Wills and Kate. It's nice, isn't it? People out there. And guess who's been reunited 42 years on? Memories like the corners of my mind. Misty Walker, memory as the way we were. Yes, Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford uh, were out there. She's 73. God. And uh, he's, he's 78. And she did back because I bought the DVD. Barbara Streisand came back for a concert. She'd, she'd lost her nerve singing some years ago and admittedly now she was in her set. Must have been about three years ago, probably even a bit further. Uh, her voice wasn't as strong. She couldn't maintain the notes for the length of time she did before. But it was still Barbara Streisand. Still Barbara Streisand and still very feisty, still very Jewish, which I love. She even had a Jewish drag queen in as well, which I didn't understand at all because I didn't know who the person was. So I wasn't sure what was going on. But I remember thinking at the time, looking at all the people in the audience, you know, where was Robert Redford, the person who, who featured uh, so much for the way we were? But anyway, they got an award the other day. The Film Industry's prestigious Chaplin Award for Lifetime Achievement. Isn't it funny? They hand out a Chaplin Award, and yet for years, the American film industry snubbed Charlie Chaplin. They snubbed him completely. They didn't want anything to do with him. And yet, then all of a sudden, they went, he's, he's getting on a bit. So they bring him back, and they give him a special award. You know, and he comes on, he says, Oh, you dear, sweet, generous people. I think he lived to his 90s. I think he was still fathering children up to about 91. So now they get the Chaplin Award. Huge cheers. And uh, she uh, chuckled, as she said of their film from 42 years ago, we made something that will last longer than most marriages. They got a standing ovation. I mean, he's, he's 78. There's something about certain people in Hollywood, isn't, isn't it? They just, they just go forever. 
We're looking at, you know, the June Allisons of this world and the Greer Garsons and people like that. But it's lovely, actually. Barbara was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress and sang the film's chart-topping theme tune, which got an Academy Award for Best Song. She got a Chaplin Award two years ago. Previous winners include Laurence Olivier and Elizabeth Taylor. I don't know why. She never made a decent film in her life. Cleopatra, she was a nightmare in. She hated heights. And so when they brought her into Rome on this uh, thing, she was so high up, she was petrified. Absolutely petrified. You can see it on her face. She's trying to just get the heck down off this thing. I don't like it at all. But uh, no, she was always notoriously late for just about everything. Uh, so is it a clue? The fans tucked into croissant yesterday. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge sent, uh, sent croissants. I don't know what, obviously posh croissant. Isn't that quite interesting that they, do you think they did it or somebody said, do you not think it'd be good publicity if you sort of get a box of cakes from Patisserie Valerie and they get delivered because they had a pink ribbon on them. Pink generally means girls, doesn't it? So are we supposed to read into that, that because it's a pink ribbon, it's a girl? Because if it had been, I know, I mean, yeah, I'm not too sure about it, actually. I'm not too bothered, you know, whether I want boy or girl. Couldn't care less, actually. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's not going to change my life. Not any time soon, it's not. But uh, I suppose if they had a girl, then they could have one of each, which would be quite nice. I, I quite like that idea. Do you think it would ever be the case that, uh, you know, if there was a, a gay child within... Because, I mean, by, by the law of averages, you know, there are enough children in this family now and still none of them have come out as gay. I'm kind of waiting with some sort of anticipation, thinking somebody somewhere on the line... Does anybody look a bit suspect? Anybody look a bit suspect? Because they've got all these children, and you'd think, I mean, there's got to be a couple of them, at least. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? I quite like that idea. 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. I did mention the other day that uh, my lovely friend Bryn and Annie, um, they've got um, an audience with Paul Daniels. Now, this is going to be at the Hippodrome, just over the road from here, just over the road from here, on the 24th of May. And I think it's uh, an audience with Paul Daniels. And uh, it's uh, Water Rat Trap Guard Kev Orkians. Uh, booking details for Kev Howling Comedy Club presentation. Sounds fantastic. So, uh, so you can go and uh, see the fabulous Paul Daniels. And it's a lovely theatre. I mean, apart from the Hippodrome is now a casino, the theatre side of it is lovely. Really is. It's a nice little theatre. Take your drinks in there, sit down, and watch uh, watch some. And it, it's an audience. You're going to get magic as well. You're going to get loads of things. So that would be uh, wonderful. So thank you very much indeed for that one, Bryn. I shall I shall bear that in mind. Actually, a friend of mine as well, Simon Simon Mann, wrote to me. He went to. He's always been interested in radio, and he's uh, he's asked me why people ask me. I really don't know. I kind of I don't know where you would advise somebody. He says I, I want to work in in radio. And of course, I don't know what the what the ideal answer is. So I was I was trying to think of composing a letter to him later on, saying, "Well, you know, target a radio station that you like the music of, or you like the presenters, and target a presenter and say, listen, where do I go if I want to uh, want to come and work in radio? Because lots of people want to work in radio, mainly because it's nice, mainly because it's nice. You know, I mean, sometimes you know you could find yourself here in London, or you could be on a battle bus with Nick Ferrari uh, up in Birmingham with White D." That'll be exciting, won't it? <laughs> we'll be listening to that one this morning. So Nick's uh, broadcasting live from Corporation Street in Birmingham. You can head down there and see the team in action. The uh, Chief Whip and former International Development Secretary Andrew Mitchell joins Nick. And as Nigel Farage departs for the EU to debate what to do about African migrants on Mediterranean shores, 
The question is, would you be comfortable with the EU deciding where asylum seekers will be allowed to live? Well, provided they've sort of worked out that, you know, there is room for people. There is room for people. Uh, if you binge on booze, it is fueling A, uh, the obesity crisis, and secondly, the heart attack risk is up 70% during a booze binge. For example, here, a glass of wine is 195 calories. That is equivalent to a large slice of Victoria's sponge. Yum, yum, yum. A double vodka and tonic. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it, actually? Not at this time of the morning, but I? that's equivalent to a large donut. A pina colada. See, I would have thought, I don't know why. How many calories do you think a, a double vodka and tonic is? 165. How much is a pina colada? 280. 280. Because it's cream. All right. I never like pina colada. I worked at a club once where they started doing cocktails. And, of course, you have one. You think, oh, it's nice. And I'll have something chocolatey. And I had a chocolate one. I was quite sick afterwards. Anyway, that is equivalent, a pina colada, to two puff pastry sausage rolls. A pint of beer is 180 calories, which is equivalent to four Jaffa cakes. That seems quite good, doesn't it? Only four Jaffa cakes. Two glasses of champagne is 380 calories. So I thought it would have. I thought that champagne wouldn't uh, wouldn't affect you at all. That's a large slice of chocolate cake and a bottle of Alco Pops, 175 calories, is equivalent to a slice of pizza. They used to make years ago uh, something called Royal Mint chocolate liqueur, and it was a clear liqueur. I remember being in a bar where they had a bottle of it. I used to I used to pinch little bits every so often because I was working there, and it tasted like crushed after eight mints. And if you did it over ice, it was delicious. I'm not even sure if they still make the thing now. Somebody write in and go, Whoa, I've been drinking Royal Mint chocolate liqueur for ages. Like Bailey's, isn't it? Like Bailey's. People enjoy Bailey's. It's not just a, a girl's drink. It's a, it's a man's drink as well. People have it over... It is. It is so. I know people go, oh, Bailey's. But it's not... I'll tell you what's even nicer. Bailey's and brandy. Chuck a, chuck a slug of, uh, of brandy into a Bailey's. Whoa, that perks it up a little bit. <laughs> Perked my granny up. Uh, as a young woman takes a complaint to the police, did the workman who wolf-whistled commit a sex crime? Yes, says David Robson. And um, uh, no, says Anna Pukas. Why on earth would a man say yes? I mean, how would a man know anything at all? I don't think he would. I don't think he would. I'm, I'm prepared to go with women. You know, is it a sex crime? You look at poor Poppy Smart... Well, they're going to try and trip her up now. You know, you know that somebody who's been to the police... and I mean, there's no, there's no case to answer. The police aren't going to take it any further. So she's kind of wasted her time, just made herself look probably a little bit silly in some people's eyes. And I wonder, really, whether or not they're going to find out and go, oh, here is a picture of her with her hands over a male model. Somebody from her student days will find pictures of her, you know, with her on the beach going, mm, look at me, I'm so beautiful. I bet you anything. I can just, I can promise you by the weekend, the sun and the mirror will be fighting over pictures which friends are selling. Because at the moment, while she's sort of hot news, you could probably sell pictures. Oh, lovely picture of a breakfast here. Morrison's apparently won an award for something called the best cafe breakfast. The best cafe breakfast. And uh, it's... <laughs> I love that. They say, I saw a thing, I got I was stuck on the train the other day. I left here, I went off to my screening in the morning, but I was at the wrong end of Great Portland Street. I started at 370 and I was looking for, for a number way down under 20. 
<laughs> a little bit of a pain. But anyway, so go and see the film, which is great. Then I get the bus back, because from Oxford Circus, you get the number 139. It takes you direct to Waterloo. It's, I mean, it's a, I'm, I'm getting really good on buses now. I'm getting really good at finding where I'm going. And um, so I get on the train, and we get to Twickenham, and, you know, it goes bing, 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 and you push the thing and the door opens. Mine didn't. So I'm pushing it, and it lit up. It wasn't opening the door. Bing, 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 bing. Because I just thought it was me not pushing it right. So I'm, as opposed to running to the next door, I didn't. The next thing, bing, bing, and all the doors shut. And off we go. And I'm tr- and there's people watching me. So, of course, you have to pretend you didn't want to get off there anyway. So you sort of, you know, and you sort of chat away, you look at And, of course, I end up in Strawberry Hill. So I thought, that's OK, I'll just get off the train, walk over the other side, get a train coming back. 35 minutes. 35 minutes I had to wait to come back. Can you imagine what kind of mood I was in yesterday, can't you? 14 to 6. News headlines, Lisa Aziz. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 10 to 6 is the time. It's going to be... I'll give you the weather forecast in a moment. It's going to be a little bit ridiculous. Poor little Richard, honestly. Poor creature. He says, uh, Steve Allen show, read this regarding Poppy Smart. Your comments regarding her are misinformed and ridiculous. So I read the article in The Independent. It says exactly what I've been saying. Exactly the same. So, you know, a couple of people say, oh, right. So she was intimidated by somebody whistling at her. I shouldn't imagine, actually, Richard, anybody's ever whistled at you, have they? Or probably ever likely to. And uh, as most of the women in the paper are saying today, in fact, nearly all of the women columnists are saying exactly the same. Where's her get up and go? It get up and went. If you seriously believe that somebody being whistled at is tantamount to being able to call the police out, you're sadly misinformed. Not only misinformed, but poorly educated as well. My God, it's not an offence to whistle at somebody in this country. Might be in your sad little world, but I promise you, in the real world, it is not an offence. You can whistle at... I might even whistle at the producer. On the second thoughts, maybe not. <laughs> He's bigger than I am, and he might, he might sort of take offence at that. You can whistle anybody you like. It's not an offence. And somebody said good morning love to her, and she went to pieces. Dear God, come into the real world. <laughs> come smell the coffee. Come smell the coffee. Eight minutes to six is the time. Front page of the, uh, the Metro. Super brat Justin Bieber insists apologies and sincere. I never apologise. I'm a bit Mary Poppins. As somebody said, you know, she, and she said, I never apologise. <laughs> Why should she? Always right. I'm always right. So here it is in the papers today. Uh, the rail workers who let the planes take the strain. The reason being, this is Network Rail, who have spent £1.3 million on domestic flights for staff because flying is cheaper than taking the train. What it means is taxpayers pay for an average of 12 domestic flights a day for rail staff, 90% of them for early morning business meetings in Scotland because they say it's quicker to do and it's cheaper to fly than it is to take everybody up by train. Now, I don't know how much it costs to get backwards and forwards to Scotland, but I shouldn't imagine it's cheap. I shouldn't imagine so, but if you sit in the buffet car, or the restaurant car, if you're lucky enough to actually have one, well, then at least you can eat on your way up there, which I think is, uh, is a nice idea. But it's cheaper to fly. And so much quicker. You know, I think journey London to uh, Glasgow, four hours on a train? Four, four and a half hours on a plane? Hour. Simple as that. It's a, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, pictures in the paper. I didn't think so. I thought they'd only just appeared uh, on the television of this uh, mum who ripped her son's mask off. This is in Baltimore. She recognised him, despite the fact he was wearing a hoodie and a mask, thumped him, gave him a piece of her mind before making him go home. Dragging him by his hood, she shouted, Take it off! You want to be out here doing this? I mean, what a brilliant mum she is. Bring her over here. Let's put her up on television. 
Let's put her up on television. Eh? There's also, um, you know, I mean, every paper does. Keith Harris, the man behind Orville who's died from cancer. His, his agent uh, put it up online. Very sad. Very, very sad. Uh, hypnosis cured my daily addiction to what, says a lady called Sarah Weatherall. She forked out £5,000 a year to drink Red Bull. Red Bull. Now, I can't drink Red Bull because it's, it's just sugar. It's just a concentrated sugar drink and it would just drive me around the bend. She's drinking 24 cans a day. Tw- she must be up on the ceiling. 24 cans. She's a law student. At 31, is that a bit late for law studenting? She said she decided to act when she realised that her £105 a week habit had been severely damaging her health. Apparently, her addiction, which saw her drink the equivalent of 24 strong coffees a day, was so dangerous she had to cut down to eight cans a day before hypnosis, as coming off so much caffeine could have caused a seizure. I've seen people who are addicted to this. I see people standing at bus stops in the morning, and they're all... Uh, there with cans of Red Bull. And I'm assuming, only assuming, because I, I don't really know, I'm assuming that people are drinking it because it gives you a a boost. And does he really? Oh, right. No. Oh, right, because there are different different variations uh, of it. It's amazing, isn't it, really, that, that people are obviously so into Red Bull. I've never drunk it, so I don't know what the addiction is. But some, I remember years ago... What a lot of people used to take if they were working on radio overnight, ProPlus tablets. You remember ProPlus? I can remember a presenter sitting on LBC years ago, back, I mean, I'm going back many, many years, who would sit there with a, with a, a packet of ProPlus and he'd be swallowing. And that was, I thought that was concentrated caffeine. I might be wrong, but that's what I thought it was. And, uh, and he was addicted to that. But I used to find if you took anything as a stimulant for staying awake, you're never going to get to sleep later. And the whole idea is when you actually go home, you want to climb into bed and be able to go to sleep. You don't want to be sitting up there with your eyes wide open like saucers, do you? Definitely not. So this this Red Bull addiction, 24 cans a day, and if she'd come off it immediately, then uh, she'd have been in big, big trouble. Isn't it funny the things people... Mind you, I know people who get addicted to all sorts of things. Chocolate. In fact, a friend of mine said he couldn't actually go a day without having any chocolate. I mean, I'm looking... At, in all the papers today, there is a picture of this... Cafe breakfast from Morrison's, which is £4.49. And it looks, as far as I can see, to have a sausage, a egg, maybe two rashes of bacon, some mushrooms, uh, um, a grilled tomato. Why they put it on there? I think it just fills up the plate. And some beans. And there's something else at the back, which I can't, it could be another hash brown. And they charge 75 pence for buttered toast. It's practically a loaf of bread round my way. Get a loaf of bread cheaper than that. But it does look very nice. So I suppose you could be addicted to fry-ups. You could be addicted to chocolates. Luckily, I'm not addicted to anything like that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say I could be addicted to coffee. Because I do drink not a huge amount of coffee, but a, a fair bit. I, yesterday I must have had probably about five cups of coffee in the course of the no, day. Probably four cups of coffee in the course of the day. Because, because before I went to the screening, I went and had a cup of coffee. And I'm thinking then, should I cut down on coffee? Should I maybe alternate and have tea? In the, in the morning, at the moment at home, I'm drinking coffee. I don't know why. I don't need to perk myself up. It doesn't actually do any, anything for me, or perhaps it does. So I've got one giant cup of coffee at the moment. That'll see me through the programme. And then I'll probably have another one later on. Our barista, Dan, will make a cup of coffee and I'll have that. But if she's doing 
24 cans a day. I've known people do the same with, with other fizzy drinks, you know, the colas and the pepsis and stuff like that. And they become addicted to it. And they go, how much are you drinking? They go, I don't know, about four litres a day. And you think, four litres? It's like you see people sitting in Kentucky Fried Chicken who are quite clearly well over what they're supposed to be weighing. And they've got, you know, a party barrel and a Diet Coke. It kind of doesn't do anything, does it? It's not, not really working like that at all. I, don't, I think people think that if you drink Diet Cokes, that the weight's going to start falling off you. But, of course, it doesn't, as I've said a million times before. Where do you think it goes? It's got to go somewhere, and, of course, it doesn't, because you've got to do the exercise that goes along with it. Not so good, is it? So, over in Baltimore, apart from this uh, tremendous mum... I mean, she's gone mad. She's dragging him over there. It's brilliant. So far, 144 vehicles torched, 15 buildings set alight. What is the purpose of that? What is the purpose of that? The battle for Baltimore. This is after the funeral of a black man who died in police custody. Now, some of the buildings they set alight might be owned by black families. You know, but Baltimore is, is very multiracial. But it's odd, isn't it, that the film Hairspray was set in Baltimore, where they were dealing with exactly this issue. They were dealing with the race issue. That's what they were dealing with. Uh, Kate Glass talks about banning whistling. No, you'll have to stop girls ogling Poldark. And, uh, and this is it. Poppy Smart complained she was sexually harassed. But uh, was she overreacting? Katie Glass shares her view and explains why catcalling isn't offensive. It's a bit outdated. Exactly what I said yesterday. Exactly what I said. Who whistles at people anymore? Nobody whistles at people anymore. They just don't. It's very outdated. But it's still an interesting concept that some people think, you know, she said, I'm a very nervous person. And you think, well, just turn around to them and go, why don't you, you know, do that? Why don't you boys go and do one? Or failing that, do what everybody else suggests you do. Go onto the building site and go, who did that? Which one of you? Come on. And start taking pictures of them going, I'm going to put this up on the internet and then do it because then it could have gone viral. As opposed to it doesn't make her look, you know, the most positive person. It makes her look weak. And that's a shame, really, because it could all go the other way. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. We've only got 30 minutes to get through. An awful lot of, uh, of stories in the papers. The uh, alcohol, which fuels the obesity crisis because it's all the sugar in there. Um, the bomb threat that the owner of this uh, weight loss ad... Uh, owns. He says that uh, they've had bomb threats. He went on television yesterday. He's also telling everybody he's made a million pounds already. But the real danger is in the protein powder. Do you know what's in it? No. Why are you putting something in your body you know nothing about? The people who have paid to promote it couldn't care less. They really couldn't care less. The McCanns win nearly half a million pounds. Will they give that to the British government for the help in trying to find Madeleine McCann? You'd like to think so. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. Us is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six. It's Wednesday, the 29th of April. Nick and the Battle Bus find themselves in Birmingham this morning. And talking to them today is the former International Development Secretary in Chief with Andrew Mitchell and White D. Can't wait to hear that part of it. So he's uh, broadcasting live from Corporation Street in Birmingham. Details on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Uh, detective has been jailed for tipping off his own son that he was a suspect in a case that was being investigated. He's also stepped down. British money and aid pour into Nepal. Baltimore burns as the looting continues. Eight executed on Bali. The British Gran could be next. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. 
And Nick says, Steve, Bristol, Newcastle train, £184. Because I've, I've got no idea how much uh, train fares are. He says, so I got the flight for £60, plus return flight, Newcastle to Exeter, £64 two weeks ago. So it's, it's just, it's cheaper, isn't it? Much cheaper. Mary says, Steve, what was ever the point of a string vest? You raise a good point. I have no idea. I do not know, actually. And uh, Mario says, the only reason I drink Red Bull is because I like the taste. It's just sugar, though, isn't it? It's just sugar. Uh, Mary also says the money for the McCanns, 350000 Whether they get it, that's the big question. This is a, a man who's a police officer, was a police officer, in, uh, in uh, Portugal. He can't have been earning anything like this sort of... He wouldn't have £500,000 saved up. But uh, somebody said, is the money going to bring happiness and their daughter back? They've said it's not the money. They've said it's not the money. They've been quite, uh, quite clear about that one. They just wanted to make sure that they weren't being libelled in a book. The book's now been withdrawn. What publisher releases a book with such a blatant libel in it? I've got no idea. Obviously not a very reliable publisher. And um, I've got a book. I've got a book. It's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And it's all about the celebrity world. I suppose, really, it's a guide to, to being a celebrity. And once you get there, what you do with it to try and hang on to it for as long as possible. Some people drag it out a little bit. You know, and you get a bit bored seeing people knowing that they're just doing it for a, a fee. So that's what annoys me. So we talk about that in the book. And uh, it's part of a series of five books, uh, which LBC have actually got at the moment. Just all, all different topics, but all exactly the same length. Exactly the same length. Um, Cal says, a vest, a sleeveless undershirt or an outer garment. Very confused in America. Fun show, though. Yes, let me see. A vest, it, it means different things, doesn't it? I'm sorry about that. Uh, Andrew is going to be a witness for me. He said, you did say you touched the brake lights. You didn't say you slammed the brakes on. No. I've, luckily, I've got a fairly good memory for that. Can't remember anything else. I spent ages yesterday talking to this bloke who works for ITN, trying to think about uh, a friend of mine who uh, does a lot of the red carpets outside here. And I think there's going to be a red carpet treatment tonight for Spooked. I think so. I think it's tonight. I'm pretty certain. And so he will be out there, and his name's Nick Lazarus. But, you know, for all the money in the world, I sat there with this bloke watching this screening, trying to think, and going through the alphabet to try and remember Nick's lame, name. Dreadful. I'm so sorry, Nick. Uh, Paul is on a balcony uh, in Cyprus. She says, on the balcony in Cyprus Coffee. I'm not sure whether you're sitting in a pile of coffee beans, but uh, she's listening to LBC. Temperature 28 degrees. How awful. <laughs> I only say that because I'm not good, as you know. Uh, and, uh, Steve, can you please stop whistling? My dogs are going absolutely berserk. Yes, I was, I was demonstrating the whistling as we did uh, Poppy's whistling, just to find out why people whistle anymore. And, uh, and, and coming to the conclusion that people don't whistle anymore. But that forms the basis of a lot of the... Uh, the people inside the paper today, the columnists saying, it's just a whistle, for God's sake, get over yourself. Otherwise, it really does turn so... We're such a drippy country, aren't we now? Oh, somebody looked at me, oh, get over yourself. Somebody whistled at me, oh, get over yourself. You know, as if it was something really, really dread. There's worse things in heaven and earth than somebody stepping in front of you and going, morning, love. If every time I got that in this building, you know, I was able to go to the police, the police would, you know, barely leave the building. Everybody says that. Morning, love. Morning, you know, people say that. Just dreadful, honestly. But of course, she has to make an issue out of it. As I say, I'm sure we'll find a picture of her draped over some Abercrombie and Fitch model, just to make it more interesting for us. But they are doing away with them. As Jane Moore says, she finds she's a bit nonplussed by the whole Abercrombie and Fitch thing. We did have one in, um, in 
uh, Kingston outside the store there. But the trouble is, he had a fake tan on and he hadn't done it properly. It looked ghastly. Absolutely ghastly. I wish I could fly right up to the sky. Orville has lost his best friend as Keith Harris has gone to sit with the other angels doing some, some venting. He featured on Louis Theroux's programme. I was always slightly dubious about Louis Theroux, whether or not he was sort of having a dig at people on the programme. And I did, I did think that he was having a, a dig at people on the programme. Uh, so yesterday, minus six and four inches of snow. This is in uh, the north. It's amazing, isn't it? Literally days before, we're in a heat wave. Now, you've got... Um, You've got snow coming down, and this weekend doesn't look so promising. I don't want to completely ruin your bank holiday weekend, but it doesn't look brilliant. So apologies all round. Uh, Telly's countdown has gone quite bad now. Uh, they've had all sorts of people, um, and some of the rude words that have cropped up on the programme. I suppose you know, in the days of um, of uh, of Bob, what's his face is doing it. I'll have a pee, please, on blockbusters. And uh, this one, that was quite tame, actually. Because I'll have a pee, please. <laughs> like that. And then you read some of the words. We've had Mylene doing a word and, oh, they've had all sorts. Of, I don't want to go into the words because you'll see them in the paper today. But they're things that they've, they've passed on the programme. But there again, I've heard so much bad language on programmes now. Uh, Paul McCartney's in Tokyo, 49 years after the Beatles show. He's 70, 70 plus. And the columnist, who does more brown nosing than anybody I've ever met in my entire life, uh, sort of goes out there. He's also writing about Ronnie O'Sullivan, family business pornography. He said the closest thing the sport has to a rock star. Really? How unusual. And uh, what's this? What's this inside? Oh, yes, the, the policeman. I have to mention him because he's a, a detective. Darren McCabe. Uh, he's been sacked. He alerted the teen to the investigation. This is his son. And he's, uh, he said, you're a suspect in a street mugging. He said, I'm trying to keep you out of it. Which, of course, is the wrong thing to say. And uh, he was captured on CCTV, the son standing and watching while two other youths attempted to steal a shoulder bag from a pedestrian. So a judge jailed the officer for six months last month. They've now found that he breached standards of professional behaviour and he's been fired. You know, I mean, fancy throwing, throwing away a promising career. Why would people do it? You do worry about it, don't you? He was based at Bexley Heath, found guilty of acts which had a tendency to pervert the course of justice. Um, the son, 14, was not prosecuted. But uh, he says here, uh, he made a series of phone calls to his wife, which, of course, are all recorded, uh, detailing the clothing his son was wearing in the, f in the film. And the officer told her, you can't disclose any of this, I'm telling you, as I'm trying to help our son. So I'm presuming he was sort of perhaps separated. Because otherwise, you know, you wouldn't go home and go, you're being under-investigated or being investigated at the, uh, at the station. But he did it in a phone call, and they record their phone calls. That's what they say now. All phone calls are recorded and uh, can be used for training purposes. In his case, it was used to, to fire him. Uh, a science teacher who called pupils retards and idiots has been banned from the classroom for life. Alan Pibworth dished out abuse to kids who took longer to understand the point he was making or asked it for it to be explained. He labelled one pupil a prat, or another word, and would aggressively lean into pupils' faces as he ranted over small errors. He left a teaching assistant upset and embarrassed as he noticed the label of her top sticking out. He said, Miss, you've got your size 20 top on today. And so it, so it went on. So obviously they obviously had to lose him, and they, uh, and they got rid of him. We'll run through the, the front pages of the papers in, uh, in a moment, and also take more of your text and emails. 84850. Uh, Andrew. 
says, I once got on an express train from Euston to Milton Keynes. As we approached my stop, I was surprised nobody else was getting off there. We thundered through at about 120 miles an hour, and it didn't stop until we reached Coventry. Very embarrassed. Yeah, because you don't know what to do. You stand up thinking, I'm get- like I did, thinking I was going to get off. And then you can't open the doors, and so you stand there anyway thinking, I hope nobody's noticed me, but you know they have. Regarding the painted house, says Alan, in Devon, the council is enforcing a Section 215 notice under the Planning Act, which provides a planning authority with the power to order owners to clean up land or buildings when its condition adversely affects the amenity of the area, according to one newspaper. I would just paint it another ridiculous colour just to annoy the snobby neighbours. Yeah, why don't they just... So each one... The, uh, the, the, each one would be completely different, wouldn't it? So in other words, they'd have to take out a different order. OK, I've painted out the stripes, now the house has gone lime green. Well, we're going to take out another order. OK, now we're going to paint it bright purple. Just keep doing it, because it'll annoy the neighbours and annoy the heck out of the council. Controlled house colour is Regent's Park, not Richmond Park, says uh, Reg. Did I say Richmond Park? Oh, gosh. No, Richmond Park's lovely. I nearly bought a house there once. It was a, it was a, yeah. I, I say nearly bought it. I'd had like three or four glasses of Prosecco, and in my mind I imagined I was buying it. But of course, in reality, I didn't have the four million pounds. It's quarter past six. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Uh, apparently, string vests... According to why this came up, I've got no idea. It's probably because I tweeted this morning that it was so chilly, I wish I'd put a vest on. And then somebody, uh, Mary, said about string vests, and I'd forgotten about those. And uh, apparently, they trap warm body heat in the gaps. And Kevin the Milkman says, no, I don't own one. I suspect you're maybe not telling me the truth. Uh, string vests trap warmth, Steve, when a shirt or top is worn over it, so it's very good in the cold... And then uh, somebody else says, the other day on my way to work, a nice young man on a bike winked and said, good morning, in a flirty way. Call the police immediately. Call the police. We can't have this. People wishing you a good morning. It's outrageous, isn't it? You know, it's like saying to somebody, God, you look really gorgeous today. You know, people like a bit of flattery. Quite clearly not poppy smart. She doesn't want flattery. She thinks it's intimidating. You know, if somebody whistles. So we did do whistling this morning. Unfortunately, it upset dogs and cats. So we've decided we're not going to do whistling anymore. But I do my best. Uh, Steve, I would paint the house in the colours of the neighbours' houses, but spotted. Um, so uh, Sean, Sean's got this idea. Mind you, of course, where you are in Brighton, it's quite normal to paint houses in different colours. They're a bit more snooty in Kensington and Chelsea, I'm afraid. Uh, everybody up, Pete's talking about the principle of a string vest. There's obviously a lot of you possess this item of clothing. And it's, uh, it's when it's worn underneath a close-fitting T-shirt or a shirt. Pockets of air are trapped within the stringing and warmed by the body heat, keeping you warm. But, what, I mean, if you're wearing a T-shirt, why would you... But you can always tell people are wearing a string vest. There's something... You can't buy them anymore. It's like Airtex. Remember Airtex? Years ago. I used, when I was little. I mean, obviously not recently. I used to have sort of matching Airtex vest and pants. You know, when you're little and your mum tucks your vest into your pants. I never saw the, the reason behind that at all. I never quite understood that one. But it was funny at the time that we were a, a, a slightly strange family. Airtex vest and pants. Not anymore, I hasten to add. And uh, love here. Um, saw Russell Brand a couple of weeks ago as I was doing my deliveries says uh, Dax. Tried to have a chat as I was a fan. However, he's uh, lived up to everything you've said about him. Very arrogant. Needless to say, not a fan anymore. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know why people are bothering with him. He's just, he's just not important enough in the scheme of things to actually ask him his opinion on anything. Really. He's just, he's just really not. And uh, I've just scooped, says Martin, a lottery win. 
Congratulations. He got last night the staggering amount of £3.30. He said, my domestic director, Michelle and I, have decided it will not change our lives. Oh, well, I'm, I'm beating you hands down. I've got eight notifications. I tend not to uh, open them up. I try to leave it there because I fantasise and pretend in my sad little world that I might have won the lottery. So then I, I go on fantasy spending and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to change people's lives and help people out and, you know, do all sorts of nice, useful things and become a bit of a philanthropist. And so, of course, the other week when it turned out that somebody had won £36 million and it wasn't me, I was very, very miffed because I'd thought £36 million, I could buy the flat I want in the Strand, which would be very nice. It's a penthouse spread over three floors. And that was about five and a half million. And then you could help people out. You know, if a newspaper had an appeal, you could you could go to Stig at the Sun and go, I'd like to give some money to this appeal. I'd like to give £10,000 or £20,000, whatever it is. And then you become a little philanthropist. And I quite fancied that idea. I thought that would be good, as opposed to just, you know, sitting there with it, thinking, what's the point? You could die tomorrow. At least you want to make sure you've had a nice time while you've been doing it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And, um, oh, sorry, my friend uh, Dave... Dave Marston has just asked me a favour of my guest today, who is Martin Shaw. Yes, I will do that. They always have, whenever we, whenever we have a, a, a nice guest in that they like, and they always, they always check the, the running orders, they always go, can you get them to do this line for us? And we like to help out wherever necessary. Why? Because we're just nice people. We're just good people. Uh, Michael, thank, oh, apparently you can buy, says James in Clapham. He sent me a link to Royal Mint Chocolate Liqueur. Oh, it, it is ice cold. It's absolutely delicious. Terrible, really, isn't it? It is available, says Paul in Kingston, on Amazon. Thank you very much indeed. Because you know I might have to buy a bottle. <laughs> I wish I'd not, start, not started it, but I know that you'll always come to my aid. And um, other one here. Um, um, bum, bum, bum. Wait a minute. I'll read this one quickly. This is from, uh, from Sam, who says, String vests are great for straining lettuce. Thank you. I'm sure, I thought you were going to say something else, like you could sort of grow plants up them or something like that. It's got to be something mad, hasn't there, really? Visiting from uh, from San Francisco is Susan. She's from uh, from Baltimore, which is where Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. There were riots in the city in 1968. I had a police pass to travel from the country to the city because as a nurse in training, I was considered critical personnel. This week's kerfuffle is nothing in comparison. It's just, I always think it's sad when you get riots over something and the looting. The looting is something that is so unnecessary. You don't need to do things like that. It's got nothing to do with what's, uh, with what's going uh, on. Uh, thank you very much indeed. A lot of people telling me about the, uh, the cars abroad. It's going to be a problem. It really is for a lot of people who are going abroad because you, you're doing away with the piece of paper that goes with your plastic cars. I was a bit disappointed that the plastic card even came with a piece of paper. So now you've got to look after that as well. So I'm thankful that they're doing away with it. Uh, Brother-in-law likes a good cup of coffee, uh, which is good news. A string vest is a pest in Cockney slang. It's a real bad pest is a king string, says Martin. Thank you. And uh, I serve Russell Brand's new cafe in Hoxton, but managed never to be there when he's paid it a visit, says Kevin the Milkman. (laughs) That's good. Quickly, let me look at the uh, front pages for you. The uh, Express... This morning, uh, they're doing uh, Royal Fans, getting the breakfast, Wills and Kate. I said, do you think they really sat down and said, uh, should we go out and buy some croissant for the people and put it with a pink ribbon, indicating that the press will then pick up on the fact that they could be a girl. 
Uh, UKIP says SNP are racist to the English. Freeze on VAT and income tax. Tories will pass law to keep taxes low. Pledges Cameron. Uh, Maddie Detective did lie about death cover-up claim. Uh, it's what they're going to do with the money. The McCanns, £350,000. They've said it's not about the money, and I said it would be nice if they uh, gave it over to the uh, to the fighting fund for Madeleine McCann. You know, because it's it's a libel. They've said they don't need the money. Well, they've not said they don't need it. they said it's not about the money. So, as we've spent £10 million so far, perhaps that would be a nice gesture. The Sun on the front page. Uh, monster raving Labour Party. Uh, Mockney Miliband cozies up with brand. Uh, the Daily Mail today. Do you really want this clown running us? And no, we didn't mean the one on the left. It's a picture of Russell Brand. They say comedian. I've never found him funny at all. Uh, Minister's shame on killer salt. This is efforts to cut the amount of salt in food have been derailed by ministers in a move which has cost 6,000 lives. The Mirror. The weight is driving us crazy, Kate. It really has gone on forever and a day. McCann's win 358,000 payout from COP. Whether or not he's got it, I've got no idea. Uh, front page of The Independent today. Nepal death toll hits 5,000. We predicted uh, 15,000, but it's still going on. Baltimore's burning issue. What fuels the fire? Front page of, finally, The uh, Telegraph today. Cameron's pledge, no tax raises. Rises for five years, and the Duchess still in the driving seat. And what are the colours for lipsticks? They worry about things like this. You can uh, find it in the papers this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. And uh, if you missed any of today's show, you can download the LBC app. It's available for iPhones and Android phones too on lbc.co.uk. And... um, Coming up at 6.30, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. At, uh, it's Nick Ferrari and the team at 7. This is LBC. 